Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn related show on the planet at the John Campy Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. Joining us today on this big sausage fest, sitting over here is Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Sitting over there is Ray Ora, who apparently wants death by sausage. I wasn't really sure what that meant before the show. Back there, we got Taylor Gonzalez. Running the show is Jonathan Boyko. And joining us, the founder, creator, and host of the big thing, Christian Harloff is here. Also, Modoc. Harloff Modoc is here. And most importantly... You guys are here. We're so glad you decided to make this show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to talk about some predetermined topics first and let you know we're going to be talking about the Alec Baldwin situation. Their charges have changed. We're going to be talking more about the drama going on between Yellowstone and Kevin Costner. Is Disney forcing Pixar to make Toy Story 5? Who are the five people I would pick to play The Flash next? We're also going to talk about Anthony Mackie saying Captain America shouldn't be the leader of the Avengers next. And also... James Gunn puts out some tweets that make it maybe sound that Henry Cavill was never going to come back as Superman. Anyway, that and a whole bunch more. And we're glad you're joining us here today. So with all that down, let's dive right into it, shall we? And we're going to start off here with that whole situation with Alec Baldwin and, of course, the rush shooting. This is something that's been in the news for a while. It's going to continue to be in the news. Of course, a tragic onset situation. We've seen tragedies happen on set far too often, but where uh, somehow, some way a gun on the set of a movie ended up with a live round in it and uh, a couple people got injured somebody got shot and died a uh, horrible situation now a little while ago we talked about the fact that actual charges were brought against alec baldwin and there were two charges in particular one was involuntary manslaughter that was one that carries a maximum sentence i think of 18 months now the big one though was a relatively new law that they had in new mexico which carried a potential penalty of five years in prison. Now, the problem, of course, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, was as Alec Baldwin's lawyers pointed out, yeah, first of all, that law shouldn't stick anyway, but that law you're charging with didn't even exist when the accidental shooting happened. You cannot charge, in the American legal system, you cannot charge somebody with a law that did not exist when that happened. In other words, the prosecution are morons. I, I mean... I have very, very, my legal experience was, was limited compared to these people, but even I could tell you, and I never practiced any law in America, even I could tell you, the prosecutor is a complete dimwit. You can't bring, you cannot charge somebody with a crime under a law that did not exist when that law was supposedly broken. At any rate, update to this story now. The prosecutors have had to drop the charges. Those charges are now dropped. Um, it says, and we'll go over to my thing here. It says, when the charges were filed on January 31st, prosecutors sought to apply the statute that imposes harsher penalties for gun crimes under New Mexico law. If a gun is discharged in the course of a felony, defendants can face ex an extra five years in jail. But that law did not go into effect until May of 2022, seven months after Hutchins, that's the cinematographer that lost her life, was killed. The gun enhancement that was in effect on October of 2021 required that the defendant show intent to intimidate or injure a person, which did not apply to the accidental shooting of Hutchins. So under the actual law that did exist, we went over this the other week, but you only can charge Alec Baldwin with that if you can prove that Alec Baldwin was intentionally trying to intimidate or harm the cinematographer, which nobody believes, right? No. So that's, that's done. So that's not removed. Now, 
We also talked about how the, the president of the West Coast Trial Lawyers Association and a former federal prosecutor was pointing out that even the um, involuntary manslaughter charge is going to be very, very difficult to find him guilty on because there is actually no legal onus on Alec Baldwin and that's it. So it's going to be interesting. Now, what else is interesting about this story with them dropping these charges, the president of that lawyer association suggested that the prosecutor was celebrity hunting Alec Baldwin by giving deals to people who were responsible for giving Alec Baldwin a loaded gun and all that kind of stuff, but trying to charge Alec Baldwin. Well, it turns out that legally this prosecutor shouldn't even be trying the case. Um, this is the thing. Where is it? Oh, yeah. Baldwin is also seeking to disqualify Andrea Reeb. That's the prosecutor. The special prosecutor on the case, because she is also a Republican <laughs> member of the state of the House of Representatives. Baldwin's lawyers argue that she cannot serve as both prosecutor and a legislator at the same time under the separation of powers provisions set out by the state constitution. <laughs> now, what this really does is it goes back to that thing that the president of the law association said that it looks like this person is just celebrity hunting. She's also a politician, right? She's a member of, of the local of the state Senate who is also trying to prosecute this. This is clearly a situation of, uh, uh, again, of a, of a politician who's trying to use their platform to go celebrity hunting. And listen, don't get me wrong. We know probably 1% of the actual information. We who are not involved in the case, we all probably have 1% of the information. And if this trial happens, which I'm starting to doubt it'll even go to trial, but if it does, and information and facts present themselves that Alec Baldwin was indeed actually, you know what, uh, on the Tuesday before the shoot, Alec Baldwin brought a box of live rounds and left them laying around with the fake round. Listen, if information comes out that Alec Baldwin is actually responsible for the death of Hutchins, then there needs to be accountability. There has to be. And if we find all that out, we find out that all. I'm just saying right now with 1% of the information we have, this is looking like a clown show. This this whole trial thing is looking like a clown show to me. But at, at anyway, Rob, uh, you read this new article, the charge that any first semester law student should have known that you could not charge Alec Baldwin with. They've had to drop those charges now. I don't know. What did you make of this story? Well, I mean, I, I hope that what's happened here, the tragedy, Ms. Hutchins lost her life. You know, she had children. She had a husband. It should never have happened, and it is incredibly unfortunate. And we should never lose sight of what happened and how, if anything, uh, you have to be ever vigilant on a movie set because many things can go wrong. You know, light stands can fall over and hurt people. That's why it's imperative that safety first on any movie set, whether there's guns on those sets or not, have to you have to have safety protocols in place. And the thing that I don't like about this whole, like what you're pointing out is they're turning this show trial, this into some kind of a show trial. Yeah. When, when really what you're looking for is justice. There was clearly negligence here. There was clearly real, uh, uh, why there was live ammunition on a film set. How the actual F did a live bullet get onto the set of a movie? Uh, I mean, that's a big question. Any, anybody should be able to, anyone with any familiarity with firearms should be able to pick up a blank and pick up a real bullet and know the difference. I mean, instantaneously. And if you can't, you have no business handling firearms. And I, you know, reading this and finding out, wow, a legislature is also the prosecutor. I mean, when you see something like this, it's like, look, man, recuse yourself. You should know better. 
and and but they didn't and and now they've gotten enough press and all that and it turns into something now the onus or whatever is being moved away from what actually happened and the, the changes that need to be made and the real reason that this occurred and it becomes something else like so much in our country and and it's like what we really need to keep focused on is what happened here the tragedy that happened what was responsible and let's make sure it never happens again Christian, yeah, you haven't been in here, I don't think, when we've had to address the story. And it's, I mean, this is something that in and of itself, they're probably going to make a movie about someday. But anyway, you you know about the case itself. You saw the the article that was there once saying, what's your impressions of all this? I mean, I kind of, to reiterate the same thing you guys are saying, that there needs to be an investigation as what really happened. Yeah. And if there was negligence and all that, they have to look for the, as you said, Rob, for the justice of this poor woman and her family and, and everything. Like, that, that needs to happen because it shouldn't have happened so there, like that alone is absolutely should be the priority of what this is all about and if alec baldwin if they do the investigation as you said john that he is responsible for involuntary manslaughter then he should he should pay a penalty there's no doubt about it but he should be investigated fairly that's the whole point of trials and everything is supposed to be fairly and it doesn't seem at least from this one and what we're not also bringing up is that remember that alec baldwin is a is a pretty uh outright left-wing uh, politician himself in his own right you yeah. know and he was doing an impression of the president for many many years on saturday night live which probably didn't sit well with a lot of republicans so is it the only reason why that they're going after him? Of course not. They're probably, you know, this. No, I don't and, believe that. Of yeah. course not. But it, it is it is also that it could be said that this woman also wants to get the justice. And I think that that's something we should also say she probably does. But I think that there is a conflict of interest when you're both politician, you know. And so I think, um, I think, I'm, I'm not saying you should absolutely, I, I don't think that you should, that because I think you cry, cry a foul if you put some um, Democrat or left wing um that's trying the case you know or, or excuse me investing in the case instead of uh instead of this woman i think you should get a republican but maybe i don't know i, I she shouldn't be a, a legislator uh, she a shouldn't be part she yeah she should be part. yeah i was watching one legal analyst show podcast and they were talking about this situation and they gave this analogy they said imagine you're on a work floor and they say look it's very important for safety take your garbage and throw them in that receptacle there you have to make sure you throw your garbage in that receptacle to keep everything safe. So relying on the safety expert who told you to do that, you take that and you drop your banana peel in the receptacle. Unknown to you, the bottom of that receptacle has a crack in it. The banana peel falls out. Somebody walks by, slips, breaks, breaks their arm or something like that. Are you responsible for that person breaking their arm? You're the one who put the banana in the receptacle. Well, because you were told that's where it needed to be. And that's the one thing, again, only knowing 1% of the information, and I can I completely reserve the right to change my perspective on this as more information comes Absolutely. in. Absolutely. I'm just saying right now, when you have somebody on set who it is their responsibility. Their only responsibility. Their only responsibility, because you are not a firearms expert, to be that firearms expert, to clear the weapons, who then declared the gun a cold gun, which means it's a completely safe weapon, it's a cold gun, they handed it off to the assistant director. The assistant director took it to Alec Baldwin and declared this is a cold gun, telling Alec Baldwin this is a completely safe weapon. There is no danger. And then, obviously, there's a bullet in the gun. Alec Baldwin is not a weapons expert. Um, like, I grew up with guns. I would 
personally know what to look for, but I'm, I'm going to venture probably 80% of the people in this room wouldn't know what to look for. No, and on the flip side, though, as well, too, I mean, I agree with you, but I'm saying on the flip side, too, we've seen Alec Baldwin in the past, even on the street with paparazzi, get him, get lose his temper a little bit and lose his cool. That oh, maybe, sure, yeah. maybe he's like, I need the gun now. I need a gun. I don't care what it is. And maybe they didn't test it or but anything. Ac according to the testimony, yeah. everything happened the way it was supposed to happen, right? The armor declared it was cold gun, gave it to the assistant director. The assistant director took it over to Baldwin, declared it was a cold gun. Th like, all that is verified. That all happened. So, Again, now there does the one thing that comes up every once in a while in this case that I still have to figure out how what I think about it is that at the end of the day, Alec Baldwin is also one of the producers of this movie. Right. Yes. That means it it is your house, and like if 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 Ray decides to go cycle one day, and you know, if. <laughs> and, and I don't know, like beats Jonathan over the head with with a whiteboard or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's well, even though I'm not the one who did it and it wasn't my fault, Saturday, I am in charge of what happens in here. So th there's some response again. But how far that goes, how does it fit within the New Mexico legal system? I don't know. It's just going to be really interesting to keep our eyes on. Yeah, right. That could be one of the worst examples I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Question. <laughs> Question is for you. What do you think about this? Some idiot decided to, with obviously no understanding of the law, decided to bring a charge that was a law that wasn't even in existence when the incident happened. Anyway, what do you think this is going to turn into? Do you think there's a lot more information to come? I think there probably is, and we're all going to have to reexamine this later once we get more information. But whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down let's move on to another off the top here shall we and that one is this this is getting very dramatic and interesting um and by interesting i mean borderline scandalous we talked the other day that a report came out that it looked like they were going to end by the way this isn't confirmed but a story came out that they are currently looking at ending Yellowstone at the end of season five. They're, of course, on a very long mid-season break. And that a part of the reason for that was Kevin Costner's schedule or whatever. And that they were going to have a spinoff show that's like a continuation of Yellowstone. will have many of the same characters. But this new one was going to be led by Matthew McConaughey. Which is perfectly fine. Matthew McConaughey is an Academy Award winning actor. I love Matthew McConaughey. But I love me Yellowstone, and I love Kevin Costner in Yellowstone. Well, uh, turn up the drama on this. And I, you know me, I don't normally like to get into the behind-the-scenes TMZ, what's the T kind of stuff, unless it starts directly affecting the content we're watching. And this is. So in the Puck newsletter that came out, which is becoming a real big deal in the industry right right now they're talking the ankler yeah and the ankler both becoming a big deal about this um they discussed this um I'm, let me see if i can find the quote on this oh yeah here it is okay so here's a sign this is getting into like some of the drama that's going on with this here's a sign that the relationship between kevin costner and taylor sheridan is not going well on instagram just a couple of months ago Costner's longtime assistant slash associate, I'm going to try to get this name right, Glenn Kleskowski, posted publicly uh. the following review of Taylor Sheridan's Sylvester Stallone mobster show, Tulsa King. This is what Kevin Costner's assistant wrote publicly to Taylor Sheridan. Stick to your Westerns, bro. You don't know shit about this life. Oh my Stay bro. in bro. your lane, country bro. boy. 
I'm actually embarrassed for you as a writer and creator. This is Kevin Costner's assistant. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what, if Christian's assistant, of course, and he has many, but if Christian's assistant were to write that publicly about me, Christian and I are going to have a problem. I, I mean, if Ray started writing shit like that oh, about anybody else, they would have a problem with me. <laughs> again, we're going to make Ray our scapegoat on this. So let me, let me, read, let me read this again. This is crazy. Stick to Westerns, bro. You don't know shit about this life. Stay in your lane, country boy. So he's directly insulting country him, too. Boy. Stay in your lane, country boy. I'm actually embarrassed for you Twilight as a boy. writer. <laughs> Twilight, boy. Country, country boy. boy. Country boy. As a writer and creator. Now, this is. Now I'm going to read this a little bit at length just because this is fascinating. This is where the drama is coming in. So they went on to write this. So what's actually happening here? After looking into this for the past couple of weeks, I learned that Costner's Yellowstone cast and crew executives have becoming increasingly frustrated by Costner's ego and unavailability for years now. I know, get in line, aging movie star doing television has inflated sense of self-worth uh, like an onion headline. And besides, this is a larger trend. As more and more bigger names work on TV series, they don't often want to make series commitments, forcing the shows to contort to their schedules to shoot their stars uh, to shoot their stars in and out. It's an industry-wide problem. So as more and more of these big stars are going to television, the TV shows are having to make bigger and bigger compromises, which I think sometimes, many times, the compromises are worth it. <laughs> Listen to this. But this is bigger. There is a reason Costner is known in town as either exacting to a fault or just an unjustified pain in the ass. Going all the way back to his heyday in the 1990s, leveraging his star power and cachet of the Oscars that he won for Dances with Wolves, Costner famously tortured filmmakers like Sam Raimi on 1999's For the Love of the Game. Kevin's not the director, and it's not fair that he should be able to hijack a $50 million asset Universal's film chief Stacy Snyder said publicly at the time. And a fight over the MPAA edits, Kevin Reynolds either bailed or got fired from directing both Costner films, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Waterworld, depending on who you believe, as a director. Costner refused to trim the postman from the three-hour from the three-hour runtime it had, despite a pair of awful test screenings, and it ended up losing tens of million dollars for the studios. Postman rules. And in Message in a Bottle, Costner threatened to pull out of uh, publicity until he got his way on the edit, big-time stuff. Now, this is where it gets into Yellowstone. Costner tried giving notes to Taylor Sheridan during the first couple of seasons of Yellowstone, which I'm told did not go over well. Uh, and once the show became a smash hit, Costner is said to have begun squeezing. He demanded to be compensated for promotional days, says two different sources. Despite a contract that paid him $1.2 million per episode, uh, for the 16 episodes of its fifth season, that pay was rising to $1.5 million per episode uh, and more if there was going to be a season six, plus an overall deal with MTV Entertainment Studios that runs through 2025. A couple of seasons ago, Costner's WME team closed a major negotiation. Then he went back to his lead agent of 10 years, Brad Slater, uh, who had put Costner in Yellowstone in the first place and demanded that he reopen the deal for more asks. And when his agent said no, he got rid of his agent. So, look, this is all from a certain perspective, right? Whenever you look at any story from just one perspective, anything can look damning. And you guys know for a couple of years now, Yellowstone has been my favorite show. Until The Last of Us came out, Yellowstone has been my favorite show on TV 
for the last couple of years, all due respect to Succession, which I also love. And Kevin Costner is the freaking man in this show. I love him in this show. And I love him in Man of Steel. And I love Kevin Costner. <laughs> but when you're reading this stuff, and he's like, yeah, I'm only going to shoot for the second half of the season. I'm only going to make myself available for five days, which is what was in the initial report. It's like, dude, like, you're part of the number one show in the world right now. And how much are you making per episode? You're making a lot of effing money, and you're working with the hottest showmaker and showrunner in the business right now. I mean, I don't know. Of course, Kevin Costner is an individual. He has, this story goes on to talk about that he's got some movies he's trying to make with Warner Brothers at the same time. And, you know, he's he's in his heart. He's got the passion of a director. He wants to be a director. I respect all of that. But I don't know, guys. I'm reading this, and I always like to believe that grown men can work out their issues and 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 figure something out when everybody stands to make a lot of money. But I don't know if they're going to be able to fix this. I don't know, Christian, you know, you read about this. What's, what's your thoughts on it? Well, first thing is the idea that every... and even though television has changed dramatically with the amount of kind of movie star that does television if you if you look at history whether it's friends the sopranos there's always these negotiation things and things of people getting tired of actors whether you're a movie star or not getting tired of playing the same role and being locked into the television schedule is grueling it's grueling. Yeah. Now, obviously, when you look at the, you look at 1.5 an episode, you go, who cares? Deal with it. It'll be over by the sixth season. You can do whatever you want. But it's still, it's grueling. So you can see why frustrations happen with actors. Now, that doesn't excuse any of this particular behavior if it's indeed factual. But the other thing that I do think is, we've heard this about Kevin Costner in the past. For clearly. years, yeah. So be careful who you hire is <laughs> is also one of those things, too. Like, what, what were the meetings like to get him in? And the other thing is, as far as the assistant goes, uh, what they don't tell you there is that Taylor Sheridan bought him right after that because I said he's he's able to do whatever. He bought his Instagram feed, he bought his, his family house, and now that guy works for Taylor Sheridan. Um, but it's just you look at that, and I don't know. The, the Matthew McConaughey thing, though, is very interesting because if you were to rewound time before Yellowstone comes out, and they announce that they're doing the show Yellowstone, and they go, well, they're either going to do a show with Matthew McConaughey or Kevin Costner. Everyone would be like, oh, I want to see the one with Matthew McConaughey at the time, in 2017, right. whatever it is. Now you, it's, you're like, well, it's Kevin Costner. He makes Yellowstone. I think that they need to figure this out. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm obsessed, by the way, after I, I told you guys, like 1923 I started with, but I got obsessed with 1883 after talking to you guys. Right. I watched it, and I'm... Now I want to go back in. I watched like the first two episodes of Yellowstone, liked it, but I want to revisit it. But now it's like he is, he's the guy. So they got to figure it out somewhere or another. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate if, if he's using his star power to kind of leverage stuff and, and bad behavior. That's always a bummer. It's, it sucks to hear you're leveraging star power. Cause let's say his current star power comes from yeah. Yellowstone, right? Yeah. yeah. When you're leveraging your star power that comes from a show against that very show. I mean, I don't know, but Rob, you, you hear about this. What do you think? And by the way, I say this all as a big Kevin Costner fan. I love Kevin Costner. I, I, I do too. But, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Kevin Costner makes Dances with Wolves. Then he makes a movie like Open Range. And even The Postman, to a certain extent, is I a I really web. liked Open Range. I did too. It's yeah. great. And I love The Postman. It's based on a David Brin science fiction novel. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I'll tell you something. The first time I saw The Postman was at the Steve Ross Theater at Warner Brothers. No one had seen it. I was sitting there with a huge audience. Kevin Costner walked out on stage in front of an audience and he said, you know what? I've been working on this movie for a long time and I hope, I, I, he said, I wish 
that I was like you in the audience and seeing this movie for the first time. And I hope you enjoy it. Mm. And the, the, the pride and the joy that was there. And I never forgot this because it exemplified to me what every filmmaker feels like when they show their movie to an audience for the first time, especially an industry crowd of people. And that there was true joie de vivre. And I loved it. No one else did. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, so I've always been very sympathetic to Kevin Costner. That said, diva behavior with actors, especially when they're getting paid this amount of money, you get paid this amount of money because you're expected to show up at work. And I believe that when you're working on a set with a lot of people, including your fellow actors and the crew, the crew is there to support your work. You're the ones that are in front of the camera. You're the ones that the crew is making sure you look the best you can. You have the best costumes. You're lit well. The writers are making sure they have the best lines they can give you. The producers hopefully hope they're making the best TV show. Everyone is there to serve you. I can't stand diva behavior on a set because it's so disrespectful to everyone. And if Kevin Costner didn't want to do this, I'm sure, I'm sure he might have thought a little bit, you know, Westerns are in my wheelhouse, that he could come in and make the show a little bit more his. I'm sure he resents the fact that Taylor Sheridan now basically has built a network on, on Kevin Costner's wheelhouse. He still took the job. And if you take the job, you got to bring an attitude in that is conducive to the rest of your coworkers. And if you don't want to do the job anymore, don't do it. Just say, I, 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 I need, respectfully, I need to step away. I, yeah. I, I'm or done. write I me out and kill me. Or yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I, I just hear this kind of thing. It is so difficult to, to make these projects. And I've been lucky, and for the, for the most part, I've been able to work with some really great people. Even William Shatner, when I worked with him, was terrific. No diva behavior at all. And this just... Uh, uh, bothers me because i really like kevin Costner. but the one thing that we don't know for sure as we said as we see this article though too remember that they're in the middle of this negotiations and trying to figure out seasons and figure out all yeah. this different oh there it goes uh all this different <laughs> nuts yeah the nuts but all this different information that this could also be a negotiation tactic this could also be something that they leak to the press and the press oh yeah this is stuff. one perspective this is one perspective Just yeah. one because, perspective. because yep. we could also get reports rob that you know the other side of costner story and look at all the behavior that stuff that he had to go through i'm not saying we are absolutely that's why i, I don't want to just call it diva behavior right away when we don't really know yet if it's true we hope false. it's not and as much as i love i love reading the puck and the and ankler puck and the ankler it is coming at this industry from a certain perspective. Sure. Yep. And that perspective is very apparent when you read but, these news. But normally the pure information they give well, yeah. does end up being pretty like accurate. Like the amount of money. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about Are you even somebody who watches Yellowstone? If not, you really should. It's quite good. And Kevin Costner is pretty tan. I'm awesome in it. What do you think about this story? Whatever you think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's now move over to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys need a mobile service provider because you are spending too much on the ones that you have, switch it over to Mint Mobile and spend just 15 bucks a month for incredible mobile service just like I have. If you guys have a question for the show, go ahead and call the hotline number at 951-268-4259. Ryan Reynolds will personally take memos down of your notes and questions and forward them on to us. Hashtag, he's not really going to do that. Uh, but let's see what you guys are calling here today. And somebody's asking about if Pixar even wants to make Toy Story 5. Check it out. Hey, John. My name's Peter Cunnington. My question is, I'm hearing rumors that Pixar didn't really want to make the movie Toy Story 5. It was more of a Disney 
executive idea, probably Bob and stuff. I'm wondering if that will affect the quality. It's not really passionate to them. They're kind of done with it. Just want to know your thoughts. All right. Thank you. All right, Peter. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, listen, I've, I've also read a couple of rumblings that, well, you know, I heard that uh, Pixar didn't even want to make Toy Story 5. Now, should be clear, I never heard any of those rumblings from any of my personal sources, nor did it come from any of the legitimate outlets. It was, came from one or two of the Gus's gas station movie reviews dot fart sites, which are not always wrong, but that's all it came from. Now, what I have heard specifically was that that is bull, that that is bull. The one verified piece of information I saw was that somebody fairly reputable talked to one or two animators, and there are many of them, who eh, don't really feel like they need to go back to Toy Story 5. But that in and of itself is a far cry from Pixar didn't want to do Toy Story 5. And they would, no, I, from everything that I understood, that's just not true. Now, could Bob Iger have floated this? Because remember, one of the big things about Bob Iger that makes him a better entertainment executive than, say, Bob Chapek was, was that he is very creator-centric. He gives a lot of leeway to his creators. He loves listening to his creators. He loves to give authority to creators. Do I think Bob Iger could have sat down with his heads of Pixar and said, hey, listen, you got $3 billion franchises here in Zootopia, in uh, Frozen, and in Toy Story. Maybe you should look at that. But if you're Pixar as well, who you've just gone through the worst couple of years of your company's existence, number one, you've had a bunch of your films that you poured blood, sweat, and tears on for the big screen that then got unceremoniously dumped on Disney+. Plus. Then you put out a couple of films that just were disastrous, one more disastrous than the other. A Strange World was a complete disaster. And Lightyear, nobody knew what the hell that movie was supposed to be. And it did not do well. First, I still contend the first 20 minutes of that movie are great. I love the first 20 minutes of Lightyear, but then it kind of went downhill from there. But listen, if you're a Pixar executive, you want to have a nice mix. You want to have these guaranteed billion-dollar franchise, Toy Story, Frozen, Zootopia, so you can continue to make the more experimental films, like we have Elemental coming out, which, by the way, Elemental looks great. And now you hope that Elemental is such a hit that... There is an audience demand for more of Elemental. And for anybody who says, well, they shouldn't be making a Toy Story 5, guess what? When they put out Toy Story 5, it ain't going to be Buzz Lightyear box office numbers. You are going to see the audience very much hungers for more Toy Story, and they will go. And if they can continue to make it on the same level of excellence, great. So I think if you're Pixar, you want a mix of that. You want your big guaranteed hits so you can have time to make your smaller, more experimental ones that hopefully themselves become the big guaranteed hits that would afford you, and you create this cycle. Anyway, Rob, have you heard anything yourself about Pixar didn't actually want to do Toy Story 5 and Disney was forcing them to do it? No, just things that, you know, that I've read online. First of all, I don't believe that. Because one, here's the thing, there's always somebody that wants to make, if you work at a company and you have an IP, there's always somebody at that company in their minds thinking, I've got an idea for this IP, because that's just how creative people are. The Toy Story franchise is one of the most beloved franchises in cinema history, not just animation yeah, no, history, that's fair to say. but in cinema history. And and generations have grown up, you're looking at, uh, uh, what did it come out, 95? Yeah. Yeah, so it comes out in 95. You're looking at now 
a legacy that's going on what we're getting close be 30, to 30 years. 30 years i mean this is multi-generations of people growing up with these characters and i don't think that there's anybody that doesn't like toy story i mean i think toy story will put a, a smile on the hearts of the most curmudgeonly person and and i can't imagine it, here's the thing pixar i think will only move forward if they think they've got a great idea knowing that Bob Iger wants to make Toy Story, knowing that Bob Iger is going to say, this is going to be a theatrical film. We will put all of our marketing dollars behind it. We will be as enthusiastic as you want us to be about this movie. They know they have the, the support of the studio, 100%. That's a great way to start a project. And for Pixar, I am sure, John, that they already had an idea for a Toy Story 5. They just didn't think they might ever make it. So then they can develop it. Nobody has a better story department than Pixar does. They do not move forward. Sure, they might not. Maybe Lightyear wasn't as successful as they wanted it to be, but look at their track record, man. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, And And um, I would say that Pixar would relish this opportunity. They are probably all over it. And maybe an animator or two is tired of Woody and, and Buzz, but I can't imagine that as a company, you can't find plenty of animators that are willing to work well, by on the, this. When, when was Toy Story 4? What year did that come 2019? out? 2019. So that was four years ago. It's not like they've been working on Woody and Buzz for like that was four years yeah, ago. Yeah, You'd have to get over it, Christian. Eight. What do you think about this? Um, well, Strange World was Disney, wasn't it? I don't think it was Pixar. You know, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're but probably right. It doesn't change the fact that Disney's animation in general has been from original stuff has not. You know, you can see why it was probably Iger. I happen to agree. I think that Iger probably was like, hey, listen. You guys think we can do another Toy Story? Is that something we need to build off for? Because he made it clear in that report that they're going to go after more uh, Star Wars stuff. And and Marvel said they, they're focusing more on IP. They're pulling back on original stuff on Disney+. Plus. You know, they're they're focusing on IP stuff. So it does seem like an Iger move to go after Toy Story. But as you said, John, it also doesn't seem like an Iger move to go, I don't care if you want to do it, do it. Yeah. Because that's not what he does. That's no. not how he built his career. He goes, can you guys do it? I could very much see that him being the one who brings it forefront and says, I think Toy Story might be good. Could you guys do it? And I also think that I don't remember which one of you guys said it, but like where it was probably someone what, like an animator or something. Going, really? We're going to do another one. And then it got and there's a big team. So maybe if everybody's been part of decisions where you've made a decision and maybe someone on your team doesn't think it's that great. And then they tell somebody else every day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then they tell someone else. And then does that look, does that mean that you didn't want to do it? No, just meant, uh, so the Pixar people might very well, okay, yeah, let's give it a shot. We can make it happen. We have an, I agree with you, Rob. I think that they know, even though I had a chance to talk to the directors when, when th four came out and they're like, yeah, I think this is the last one. We're going to, we're going to put it to rest, but it's always got, what could we do? If there was going to be another one, what would it be? So it's there. I mean, I think that protects you in, in moments like this, like maybe we don't ever do it. But if it's there, it's in our back pocket. Now we got it, and Iger comes knocking. And you go, well, here's our idea. You know, you know what's a really good piece of evidence that Iger didn't mandate this? What's another billion-dollar franchise they have? Incredibles. I think if Iger was going to be mandating this stuff, one of the things he would have mandated is people love the Incredibles. Superheroes are hot. Right. Like, do another Incredibles. But they, he knows Pixar doesn't want to do it if Brad Bird isn't on board and Brad Bird is not on board to do another Incredibles, at least not right now. So if Iger was going to mandate it, he just would have said, do it. And if Bird doesn't want to do it, F him, get in somebody else who will. And John, he, but he but wouldn't be su as successful as he is in like one of the best executives, maybe uh, creative executives of, of, of 
all time because like he doesn't do stuff like that. Like he yeah. makes he makes moves like, like you said with uh, like remember Solo, which I think was one of his big blunders, where he did force them to do a release date in May as opposed to you know December, which I think it would have benefited a lot more. That's a different kind of decision. That's a Disney decision to try to make the dollar. That's not forcing someone to make a movie. Yeah. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about that? Do you think Disney was forcing Pixar to do this, or is Pixar more than happy to see the studio actually get behind their movies again and put out another billion-dollar film? I don't know. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take a quick second here to thank a couple of sponsors of our show here today, the great folks at Masterclass and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Masterclass. Masterclass offers classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class instructors at the very top of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. And Masterclass is completely accessible on your phone, the web, smart TV, and available via audio mode to listen to classes on the go. They have over 2,500 video lessons from over 180 of today's most brilliant minds. They're all available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. Now, obviously around here on the John Campus Show, we love our movies. So why not learn filmmaking from Jodie Foster or maybe directing from Ron Howard himself or the great Neil Gaiman doing his masterclass on the art of storytelling. And you guys have heard me talk about my favorite masterclass, Business Strategy and Leadership by Big Papa Iger himself, Bob Iger, the new and returning CEO of Disney. So guys, I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class. And as a John Campia Show listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Just go to masterclass.com slash Campia now. That's masterclass.com slash Campia for 15% off Masterclass. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. You guys know I made the switch over to Mint Mobile a while ago. The process couldn't have been easier and I can't believe that I am spending less than a third of what I was spending on one of the other major carriers before. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia that's mintmobile.com slash campia cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at masterclass and of course mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show remember guys when you check out and support our sponsors you're actually supporting us so if you go down to the description of this video right near the top you'll find links and promo codes to all of our sponsors and again thank you to masterclass and mint mobile all right, guys, as we pick things up here, let's go back over to our Mint Mobile hotline time one more time. And uh, people are asking about who should be the next Flash. 
Hi, John. This is Hunter from San Antonio, Texas. Um, and my favorite video from you guys is probably where you guys discussed who you'd want to play Superman in the new DCU. I was wondering who you'd like to play the Flash in this new universe. Would you want um, a new Barry Allen, or do you think it should start off with a Jay Garrick or Wally West? Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Hunter. And yeah, I mean, normally I don't like to do X actor next role, mostly because we have no idea who would be a good fit because we haven't read the scripts, right? Like you read one <laughs> script for a movie. Don't, don't. <laughs> Send Rob your scripts. You know, you read one script with the Joker in it, being, say, Michael Keaton's Batman, and that Joker is written very, very differently than Christopher Nolan's Joker is written, which is written very, very differently from what Jared Leto's Joker was written, which is written very differently from what Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is written. So... Like, you can have an idea in your head, but unless you actually see the script, you don't really know. So I'm going to list off some people I could see being the next Flash after Ezra Miller because I still don't believe for a second that Ezra Miller is still going to be Flash after the upcoming The Flash movie. They're not. Uh, and if they are, I'll never watch another thing with The Flash in it. But I'm very excited about this movie. As far as who do I think it's going to be, will it be Wally West, Jay Garrick, Barry Allen. I think it's going to be Barry Allen. I think that that's right now is your traditional Flash. I think Barry Allen is going to be our Flash. With that said, here are my picks. And some of these are going to really surprise you. And I think a lot of these you're not even going to like. Good <laughs> But I could yeah. actually, but regardless of that, leave. I've never been about the popular opinion. Uh, I actually believe these actors could do really, really well playing the Flash. And I'm looking for a certain age. I'm looking for under 30. That's one of my big prime things here. At least right now, they're under 30. So here we go. My first pick, and maybe Christian will like this. I don't know. Is Tanner Buchanan of Cobra Kai. Uh, he was also in Robbie. Designated Survivor. He played mm -hmm. Kiefer Sutherland's son yep. in that, which I really, really liked him in. He's got a really good look for it. Uh, if, if we got that picture yeah, up there. Here. He's got a really, really good look for it. He's got a super, a traditional superhero physique. And you know what? While I am not a fan, let me be clear, I am not a fan of Cobra Kai. How dare you? But my wife is kind of obsessed with it. And whenever I've seen him playing... Now, remember, this show is borderline telenovela, soap opera kind of thing. And you know what? He plays to it really well, the stuff that I've seen him do. And so... I like the name Tanner Buchanan. I think he would be a pretty good idea, a pretty good pick for a Barry Allen. All right, let's go over to my second pick here. And by the way, these are in no particular order, okay? Just so you're clear. My second pick, this may surprise you, is KJ Apa from Shortland Streets and from Riverdale. Now, DC was already looking at him because in what was the dumbest fucking idea for a movie in history... Oh. They were going to do a Wonder Twins movie. Do you remember this? Oh, <laughs> a yes. while ago. They were going to do a Wonder Twins movie a while ago, and uh, KJ was going to play uh, one of the Wonder Twins. But make no mistake, again, he's in this ridiculous show, but he plays to that show perfectly. Again, much like Tanner, he's got the superhero build and physique. Not that that's important for Barry Allen, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But I, if you're looking for just legit acting chops and somebody could fit in that and somebody DC already had their eyes on once for something else. I could see KJ Apa actually not being a bad choice to play a new Barry Allen. All right. 
Let's go to my third one here. Speaking of somebody who is already in the DC realm and in the DC world, and maybe I would prefer to see them play someone else, but Noah Centino, who was just, of course, Adam Smasher in Black Adam. Now, how much are they going to, I mean, is Adam Smasher still going to be in the DCU moving forward? I don't know. If he is, clearly disqualified from being the new Flash. If not, well, listen, we already know Jason Momoa is going to be playing a new character. Hell, might even be playing Aquaman and a new character at the same time. We have no idea. But if they are going to continue to use Adam Smasher, which part of me kind of hopes they do, then obviously that's disqualified. But if not, I thought he was terrific in that. And I've watched a little bit of The Recruit now. And he's really good in The Recruit. Yeah, he is. He's really, really good in show. The Recruit. And so do I think he would make a pretty good Barry? Yeah, I mean, again, all depending on the script. Maybe he'd be the worst fit in the world, depending on the script. But that aside, I think Noah Citrine would be a pretty good uh, pick for that. All right. Let's go on to my fourth pick. And again, these are in no particular order. Shamik Moore, who is... Now, You most people will know him as the voice of Miles Morales, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. But he's also incredible in Dope. Incredible in The Get Down. And again, I, I love his voice. He can play kind of nerdy but he can also play harder at the same time he was great and dope he, he's incredible i just realized flash thompson is sitting right next to him yep. oh my gosh i didn't even think about that <laughs> you're right flash thompson's right beside him i didn't even put that together and so yeah i'm telling you what if if they were to go with a little bit of a less traditional barry but again i don't think the ethnicity of barry has any any bearing at all on the characteristics of who barry is so i'd be totally good with that now I've said all these are in no particular order, except for this one, which would be my first pick. Now, all the rest of the guys I just mentioned, whether it's Noah, uh, KJ, Tanner, whatever, they all got that superhero build. I don't really think that's important for Flash. Flash is a science nerd kid, got struck by lightning, whatever. Understanding that, and my main thing is I'm always looking for, do you get a talented actor? That's the number one thing. I'm going to go with this name. If we can go to my screen. There we go. Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet is simply one of the best actors in the world right now. Um, he's got a good... He, he can come across as the nerdy science kid. If you want. Well, he can come across as anything. By the way, his Apple TV Plus ads are the best ads on TV right <laughs> now. I die laughing every time those things come on. Uh, of course, he's got a lot going with Dune. He's an Academy, already at his age, an Academy Award. And he's got great hair that can billow in the wind. And he's got great <laughs> locks of hair that can billow in the wind. Um, again, this is mostly based on the fact that he is an absolute world-class Academy-level kind of actor. You bring something like that to DC. And listen, I don't know that there are many comic book characters that Timothy Chalamet could play because for a lot of those characters, build and physique are one of those things. Timothy Chalamet is about a buck oh five soaking wet. I mean, that's with not boots on flash with boots on golden <laughs> boots on. But for somebody like the flash, I think you can get away with that. I, I really do. And so my five picks again, I was trying to think a little bit outside of the box here. Uh, Tanner Buchanan, KJ Appa, Noah Centino, uh, Shamik Moore and Timothy Chalamet. Those are the picks I have. So, Rob, let me go over to you first. Um, what do you think about any of the particular picks I have? Do you have any names that I didn't mention? I think they're good. There's an actor that I've always liked because I've I got to know him a little bit a couple of years back, and I uh, really like him. Uh, he's been on TV as the new MacGyver. 
Lucas Till. Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't I bring him up as one of my picks for a possible new Superman? I think you might. I have. think I did. Yeah, I I'm a big a I'm a big fan of Lucas Till. I think he can look like Barry Allen. He's got that, you know. I think that those winsome ways and and um, I uh, any exchanges I've ever had with him, I've always really liked him, and I think he's got that flash look. I think he does he's got he's got the superhero physique. He, yeah, I liked I liked him for Superman, but I I would totally be good with him as a Flash. He just I mean, look at that that grin to me says Barry Allen. <laughs> it looks like he's about to talk about forensics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Christian, what about you? Got any any particular the list that I have that stand out to you, or any names that you have that I didn't have? I do. I mean, not just from the obvious. The I am a fan of Cobra Kai, but I like the Tanner pick because I, I as you know I had a chance to do that that Nokia panel and I got a chance to know Tanner yeah you had to moderate better. that discussion I did and Nokia, I spoke to yeah. him quite a quite a bit him more so than than the rest and he actually he plays a very serious character mm -hmm. on the show that was my concern so you think he could pull it yeah off? he's got a good sense of humor about him he's very intense there's mm -hmm. no doubt about it and he's very committed but he's got but he has a good sense of humor he's like one of the big practical jokers on on okay. set so that's that's the thing that I think people are like ah he's too serious I, he's got that he's got that thing that it could do it so I think that's a really good pick that was my the one I I, my, I have two picks, and one of the ones that I have is my concern with your Timothy Chalamet pick, which is that he's too recognizable at this point, and people will be like, oh, because he's, he's, you know, he's kind of kind of eccentric, and he's always doing this for some reason, <laughs> and and so I don't know if I can get past that. And the same other, he didn't do that a lot in Bones and all. He didn't. He didn't I didn't see that one, but okay. everything else, he's always doing that dance. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I like him. But I feel so like star power wise, I think um, Austin Butler is somebody who'd be interesting. Uh, he's 31, I know, but uh, and, and I think that your picks in the 30s as well. All, too. all under 30s, uh, yeah. The ones that are all under 30. Well, yeah. yours are under 30. I think yeah. that because isn't isn't Lucas Till a little? A little he's got to be close. I don't think he's a little. I'm not really sure how old. Both he is, both mine are in their early 30s. The one that I think the most is Dylan O'Brien. That's the name. That, see, I avoided that one because I saw a lot of other people online were going that one. I like Dylan O'Brien, but I think he's a little, he might be a little aged out. He's, he's 34. 31. I mean, 31. Yeah. Oh, he's 31? 31. Actually, that's not as old as I thought. Yeah, I mean, look, but I you're like not, him. But, but by the time they make the movie, he probably very well be 34. So it just depends on what, you know, what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. But I, I think, yeah, to me, to me, I think Dylan O'Brien's the best because he has that body. The, only th the other one that you brought up was Noah Santino. I, I think he's too big. I think he's supposed to play He-Man. Like he, like he, yeah, but he was also 115 pounds when they first announced him as He Man, and then he they started to bulk up. I don't up. know, man. He's and I don't dude. think he's, he's like that big. In the, I don't think he's that physically big. I don't know. I, th I thought he was like six one. So he, he looks bigger. Big. I mean, he's tall. He's a tall kid. Yeah. That's what I mean. I just think, yeah, yeah he's a little too big for, for my taste. Lucas Till's 32. Yeah, I have two two names that haven't been mentioned. Nobody asked Taylor. Yeah, oh. Puss in oh, no, Boots and Shrek. Ross Lynch. Uh, I would love to see him as the Flash. He is. I just looked it up. He is only twenty seven, and Jack Champion, who played Spider in Avatar: The Way of Water, oh, he's only eighteen years old. Oh, I did. Li I like that. He's he might be a little too young though. Screen six. He's eighteen. You're talking about someone who's got to be work for the police, be in forensics. He might be a Jack little Champion. bit too young, but I do like that kid. I like that kid. Anyway, guys. What about you? What do you think would be a good pick for someone like The Flash? I mean, again, any of these names I'd be totally comfortable with. I mean, and again, if I read the script, maybe I'd think none of the names we've mentioned would be a good fit for it because we simply don't know. But as far as just really early fan projecting, what do you think? Do you have a couple of names that you'd like to see on there? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down... Let's get on to a main topic here, shall we? And the first one we're going to talk about here is this. You know, one of the big upcoming Marvel movies that they've been talking a lot about is the brand new Captain America. 
because after, you know, Old Man Steve and the events of Falcon the Winter Soldier, Sam Wilson is now carrying the moniker Captain America with a pretty damn cool new suit. Now, I'm more of a, of a traditionalist. Like, I think Steve Rogers is Captain America, is Steve Rogers is Captain America, is Steve Rogers kind of guy. Like, anybody can call themselves by name. But that being said, man, Sam was the one of, if not the closest friend to Steve, embodied all the ideals that Steve had a lot. But also, as we saw in Falcon the Winter Soldier, which I didn't love, but what we saw in Falcon the Winter Soldier was, while he had a lot of the ideals and was very, very close to Steve, he also was his own man and came into the ability of, of, of carrying the moniker of, of Captain America with the great shield and all that kind of stuff. Now, also, we've got Avengers movies coming out which right now, as you often point out, Rob, we don't even have any idea who's in the Avengers at this point. They have not made one mention. I mean, we know Ant-Man's an Avenger. Okay. Apparently they have lunch boxes. That's they, about apparently it. there are lunch boxes too. So the question has been ever since, you know, with the death of Tony, which he'll be back, and the departure of old man Steve, he'll be back too at some point. But who's the leader? Who's going to be the leader of the Avengers? It's not going to be Doctor Strange because... You know, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch already said, like, technically speaking, Doctor Strange is not even in the Avengers. He's not an Avenger, so he can't be the leader of the Avengers. They might have been thinking for a while that maybe T'Challa could have been leader of the Avengers. Well, obviously, and unfortunately, that can't happen. But what about Captain America? Well, Anthony Mackie, who, by the way, I love Anthony Mackie. Not only is he a terrific actor, but he always has this <laughs> wonderful sense of groundedness about him uh which i always just love but they were asking him he was being interviewed uh by empire and they asked him straight up about maybe his character becoming the new leader of the avengers he said this he said well sam is the only character without superpowers he's just a regular dude hanging out with a bunch of weirdos being from new orleans i've been in a few fights and heart and charisma never helped me in a fight that <laughs> usually just got me beat up so that might cause an issue when you go to fight somebody like thanos <laughs> So basically, Anthony Mackie kind of pronounced, you know, Sam Wilson might not be the leader of the Avengers. Will he be in whatever Avengers movie come along? Absolutely, he will be. Now, I concur with him, but it's not because he doesn't have powers. Because Batman is kind of considered to be the de facto leader of anything in DC. And of course, Batman has no powers other than being rich. So there's that. The reason I don't think I could see Sam becoming the leader of the Avengers is because while he has been an Avenger, he's always been seen as a sidekick to Steve. And are other members of the Avengers suddenly going to go, oh, now you're our leader? It's a kind of the same thing when people would suggest to me, well, Spider-Man will be the new leader of the Avengers. Spider-Man is a child. You think like Rhodey, who is a Air Force captain or colonel now at this point, or now he's in the government, I guess, in a, with the upcoming uh, uh, Secret Invasion, but... Do you think Rhodey's going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to take orders from this kid who got bit by a spider a couple of years ago and is basically a child? No, they're not going to do that. Come on, they're all about that superhero life. They're all about that superhero life. Rhodey could be the leader of the event. I mean, Rhodey is a far more interesting name. Of course, now Sam is military as well. Right. Like, Sam is military. So, I mean... But Rhodey's much more familiar with the uh, equipment. Yes, Oh, and, and the, the procedure and the responsibilities and all that kind of stuff. He went through Civil War, yep. so he's got a better perspective now of both sides of the argument and all and that kind of stuff. And he's coming up in, uh, in uh, Secret, Secret Invasion, Invasion and, and Armor in Armor Wars. Wars. Yep. So, he's got, so there's an argument there now. 
The argument against that is that War Machine, Rhodey, has never been an A-tier level character in the MCU. So there's that argument. Captain so, Marvel. I, I, I don't think that she's off-world too much, I think. So I, I don't know who they're going to make the leader, but I don't think it's going to be Sam's... Uh, Sam Wilson's uh, Anthony Mackie's Sam Wilson. I, I don't just don't think it's going to be them. Anyway, Christian, you hear Sam's comments. What do you make of them? And and could you see Sam as the leader of Avengers? If not, do you have anybody else in mind who could be? Yeah, I'm on. I'm on that argument. Other side of the argument, I think it's going to be Spider Man. And I don't because I don't think I I think that I don't think he's. I think that's the whole point of the fourth movie is to show that he's getting away from being a kid. And I think that that's the where they're going to lead into with him. And I think that that's kind of what they were showing where he was having this this real issue with the idea that everyone was looking towards him now that Tony was gone. And they have and even Nick Fury says to him as much, you know, like they're all saying Tony thought you were the guy. Tony thought that you were the guy. So I think that they're going to lead into that. I think that the fourth movie is him going to be on his own and learning, you know, how to because a lot of people aren't even going to know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, how they're going to deal with that. Plus, the other reason why. He's the biggest star that they have right now, to, uh, in in my opinion, as far as like the, the from all the movies that have worked and all the ones that have been connected to the old Avengers. Tom Holland, I think, would be the one that the audience would would get behind, at least in my opinion. I think that if they build him up within that fourth movie, then he could. And because a lot of these new Avengers are going to be younger too, whether we have, uh, you know, if it's Kate Bishop or whoever or these other people, and and to take. The you know if they're going with the young Avengers angle maybe they are maybe they aren't if they're going with that he w he would make sense as far as Sam goes I would also be okay with that too I like the way Sam earned Captain America by the way because when he got when he was just given the shield at the end of the movie you're like all right I guess that's that makes sense he respects him but he earned it in that show and and what he needed to do and and what he went through mentally and the fight that he had to do because i really enjoyed the character of sam i think that he's just one of those people you root for um but him being the leader he proved in the show that he's got it he's got what it takes i mean bucky's too at you know a little too a little too kooky i guess <laughs> he's, got, he's got a little, a little, little bit too much history yeah yeah plus the fact he's going to be in um the, the, the thunderbolts other, yeah yeah so i i think spider-man will wind up being the leader See, I, the one argument you made for Spider-Man that I that I uh, agree with is the fact that there is no question of the remaining, now that Tony's gone, Cap is gone, he's the most popular character. I, again, if I'm living in that world, he's a child who knows nothing about leadership, but but that's just me. Rob, who could you see being a leader? Could it be Sam? Because, you know, I, something you said about him, he kind of earned it, that Sam earned that mantle. Yeah. To me, it goes back to something I mentioned earlier that I completely agree with you. He earned it by because he's always in steve's shadow he earned it by becoming his own man yes with it was his own differences and things which is why ultimately i really like the character i don't know how do you see it Rob? I, I don't think that sam wilson can be the leader only because like he pointed out himself he's just a normal guy and with thanos level threats he can't be first through the door you know you need to have somebody that's why i think that of all the people that have and only because again in the comics there was a time when carol danvers did lead the Avengers yes. in Civil War II. I could see her, based on what's going to happen in Secret Invasion and Armor Wars, I could see her, I mean, Earth is her home, coming back to Earth at least for a while out of necessity because we got Celestials on Earth, Arishem the Judge is coming back. Who knows what the Fantastic Four will 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 bring about. I mean, and, and, and Earth is the epicenter of certain activity, so there might be a reason why she has to come back. I could see her leading the avengers but even then john who's on the team 
Yeah, I mean, the problem is you bring back a very powerful individual in Carol Danvers, and she is the Avengers. I mean, maybe she's like, hey, Dr. Strange, you know, Comertage or leave the Sanctum Sanctorum in New York. I need your help. I mean, we don't know. And if you look at the Avengers, I mean, obviously, the Tony Stark's technology became great to the point of, as you pointed out, always nanotech magic. Yeah, it's just magic. And then yeah. you've got super soldiers. I mean, the Hulk can't lead, but he's the muscle. So you've got Hulk, but who's on an Avengers team? New people? They can't have the young characters that we've been introduced to. There's nobody really... We don't have a meta-human group that can face cosmic threats right now. Earth is vulnerable. Well, there are a few. I mean, we got... So in, in, as we look at the upcoming The Marvels, so we've got Photon or whatever name she's going to go by. Again, what's her power level? Yeah, so we don't know power, but the powers are there. Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel. We get the aforementioned Spider-Man. Uh, Shang-Chi... Uh, now, granted, not a guy with powers, but once he has the rings, right. a lot of power. But again, has faced, has been into one battle in his whole life. Yeah, big one though against one. That uh, was a big one. So against I, his dad. That's what we got years to get to a the Wong. next Avengers movie. What's that? A Wong. Wong. Wong, I, Wong. Like, they've been setting Wong up like what even Feige said. It's now the Wong cinematic. And universe. he is the sorcerer. Same argument with with Doctor Strange though too. They have other things to to take care of. Yeah, but I mean, but they But if you talk about people who can battle time. You know, it's it's and if you look at the Avengers, I mean, obviously Black Widow is just a human, so that's where Sam Wilson fits in. You know, it takes the Black Widow slot. Carol Danvers, um, Hulk. So Hulk's there. Thor. So there's Thor. Is he going to come back? Thor's still around. So you got Thor. If you got the five, whatever is left over the Guardians. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe Nebula. I don't know. Uh, That would be interesting. Uh, We don't think Drax is going to make it, but if you have four or five key core team members i mean that's has chris pratt said that he's done because i know that batista right so i mean pratt's another one that could be pratt could very well be he's just a human well i guess he's not he's half celestial Nah, but he lost that power he did lose that power but i mean look i don't think it's necessary that because you mentioned roadie before you know also he doesn't have any powers either so there's there's, and widow was the de facto when we got into the beginning of endgame Widow was the right. leader of what was left of the Avengers. Because that was yeah. just an Anthony Mackie comment who said that he's not going to be the leader and doesn't have the powers. That's not the, the power. No. The powers but, okay, so that's that not decision. a bad lineup. Then if you look at Carol Danvers, Rhodey, yeah. Thor, Hulk, and then whether it's Shang-Chi's been an Avenger, could be, or, or I mean, that's the fifth person. That's not a bad team. She-Hulk's probably going to be in there too, by the way. And oh. She-Hulk, She-Hulk would be a good member of the Avengers as well in terms of muscle. I, I mean, I, again, I, I love. I, I just did not like that show at all. But I liked her a lot, so I would. Yeah, I, I like doesn't know how to fight. Yeah. I'd like to see her in a better capacity, used in a different capacity. So, all right, guys. Question is for you: Who do you think? It, first of all, we don't even know who's going to be in the Avengers. No. So the bigger question then is: Who's going to be the leader of the Avengers as we get into it? We're hearing thoughts about maybe Sam, maybe Rhodey, maybe Spider Man, maybe some, maybe uh, Captain Marvel. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's get into our final topic here today, and that one is this. Now, granted, this one's a little close to my heart because it has to do. With my man, the greatest Superman of all time, Henry Cavill. And I remember how excited I was. I I took everybody out to lunch, actually, that day. If you guys remember, the day they announced that Henry Cavill made it official that he was coming back as Superman, I took everybody out to lunch. Then then they fired him. John made his pay him back. (laughs) Everybody pay me back for lunch. And what what was the name of the place up the street that we went to? 
I keep forgetting any of the they had the McDonald's. No, <laughs> McDonald's. We went oh, to, at the Derby or the Derby. That's yeah. Yeah, the yeah, Derby yeah. room. I took everybody to lunch over the Derby room, had a good time, and uh, then we found out he wasn't going to be anymore because you know things change. And he, I, you, you know my whole perspective on this. I love Henry Cavill. I think he's the greatest Superman of all time. I wanted to see more Henry Cavill Superman, but I get it. The cinematic universe, the business comes first. And if to serve the overall plan, you need a new Superman, it sucks, but I get it and I understand it and I accept it. Now, James Gunn, who is, I believe, because I love James, but I, I believe he is too active on social media. I, I, I don't believe he should be as active on social media as it is because situations can arise like the ones we have today. When he revealed a, a couple things, uh, some people thought, oh, maybe Superman Legacy was meant to be a Henry Cavill project to which he replied to one person. Oh, Superman Legacy was always a separate project. Well, okay, that's fine. But then in responding to another average person on Twitter, you know, hey, you know, what's confusion? Is Superman this and the other thing? Well, James Gunn said this on Twitter. He yeah, said, over here. Um, Superman Legacy was always around. I was hired to write Superman Legacy over six months ago, and I don't know why that happened. I was hired to write Superman Legacy over six months ago. Now, for those of you who do math, not me, <laughs> that was prior to them announcing that James Gunn was taking over, and prior to Henry Cavill saying to the world that I'm, I'm going to be coming back as Superman. Now, this has caused in certain corners and circles online, a little bit of an uproar amongst people saying there was a conspiracy this whole time. They lied to Henry. They let, they let Henry believe that he was going to come back as Superman when they knew the whole time he was never going to come back as Superman because James Gunn was already writing Superman legacy. And here's the thing. Unlike most of the time when these conspiracy theorists spout off and there's really nothing there to justify them spouting off, in their defense this time, the math. So when Henry said he was coming back as Superman, James Gunn was already writing Superman Legacy. And therefore, does that mean, as some people are proposing, that they pulled a big con on Henry Cavill that he was never going to come back to Superman. And here's the gist of their argument. They only brought back Henry. They lied to Henry for this so he could be in Black Adam to try to boost the box office for Black Adam. All right. Couple things first. If Warner Brothers really wholeheartedly believed that Henry Cavill's mere presence in a post credit scene was going to boost the box office of Black Adam. Number one, they were wrong because it didn't do very well. But if they really believed that even just putting Henry, if their belief at Warner Brothers Tower was that Henry Cavill just being in a post-credit scene, this was going to boost the box office. Well, then why wouldn't you make a full movie with him? If Warner Brothers actually believed that just his presence in a post-credit scheme was going to change their financial futures, well, if that's the case, then they would be making and planning three more Henry Cavill Superman movies. It's just that simple. You don't put him in a post-credit scene believing it's going to change the financial fate of Black Adam. 
and not believe making his own movie wouldn't make any money. Of course they would. So, so that argument goes out the window. Then why was James Gunn talking about that he was already writing Legacy and that must have meant that Henry Cavill was never going to be back? I think the most common sense answer to this, and maybe you guys have a better one. I think the most common sense answer to this is this. It's no different than Michael B. Jordan's or J.J. Abrams' Superman 100%. Projects, right? They had multiple Superman projects that were going to be outside of their DC realm that Michael B. Jordan was working on for a while, J.J. Abrams is working, and apparently they say he's still working on one that's going to be outside the DCU, whatever. And it stands to reason that they also had James Gunn working on one, Superman Legacy. I believe, and James Gunn hasn't told me this, nobody's told me this, I could be wrong, maybe James Gunn, who is overactive on Twitter, will jump on Twitter and refute me. But I believe what was probably happening six months ago was that this project was going to be in addition to these, and maybe they were just having all these multiple Superman projects to see what stuck, but then when James Gunn took over the, the leadership of DC, they thought, you know what? I think this script I've been writing is the one that makes most sense for DC as a whole, and we're going to make this the new Superman, and unfortunately, Henry doesn't fit this Superman that we're doing. We're going to move on with the new actor. I think that's the one that makes most sense. That's So I don't think there was anything nefarious. I don't think Henry got duped. I don't think Henry is so dumb that he didn't see through the ruse. I don't think they were all planning to set up Henry to tell the world that he was coming back as Superman only to find out it wasn't. They planned it all along. I don't believe that. I think if you just take a deep breath, step back, look at it objectively, I think this is just something that naturally evolved. Anyway, Christian, you see the situation. How do you feel about it? Oh, there's a lot going on with this in general. Like if you go back six months, if he, if you look at that report, that's that's like late August, right? So when he got hired on to do it. So that was right as the promotion of Black Adam was supposed to come out anyway. So the conversations with Henry were having it uh, were, were happening. Were ha you know, if you believe the report, he shot his scene like a couple of weeks or so before the movie even came out or whenever it was. So there was all that that was happening, and I do think that they had intent. Remember, they had the old regime that was telling Henry he wasn't going to be in anymore, and they set up the J.J. Abrams thing, and then Zaslav comes in, and he wants to do something, because I don't disagree that I, they definitely put him in the movie to sell more tickets. That's the, Now, now whether or not they're being nefarious and not having him and telling him they were going to do all these things with him, I think that they probably did do that, and they probably also thought, in the same way that they're going to have these conversations about Ezra Miller, John, whether you're going to like it or not like it, but they're going to, after, if this movie... The Flash winds up making a lot of money. There's going to be those conversations about keeping Ezra around or not. Um, whether or not they get you as a ticket goer, the conversations are going to happen. Now, whether or not it happens, we'll see. Now, the same type of conversations were probably happening with Black Adam. They're like, okay, let's see. You know, if, if this movie makes close to, if it makes profit, it's close to a billion. We really have to consider bringing Henry back. It doesn't. So, and then the other thing is James Gunn was not hired on yet to be to run all of DCU. He as you said, he Todd Phillips I think was a, was rumored that they wanted wanted him. So those conversations had not happened yet. And I think that once they finally say okay, well what's your plan? He's like, "Well, now that I'm working on this movie for you guys, this is the Superman that I want to do. I don't know if I have plans for Henry." So whoever told him that, that sucks because I'm going to have to be the bearer of bad news cuz James Gunn said it in his tweets. Henry was dicked over by by the you know the past regime and he yes. tweeted that out and he's so I think that all lines up but I do think Henry was screwed over and I think that the way that they they now is it the people that are in charge now that screwed him over? No, I think there were a lot of different lies that were told, and I think there were a lot of different things that were told to him in hopes that he that this movie Black Adam was going to make the money it did, it didn't. So they're like, okay, well we have someone else in charge now. He doesn't want to do your in movie anymore, and I hope Marvel scoops him up and puts him in as Doctor Doom. 
You know, what's, what's interesting here too, is if you look back at the history of everybody who, all the talent who has worked with Henry Cavill, like Dave Batista was willing to throw Disney on a fire Yep. because like Chris Pratt went to bat, Zoe Saldana, like everybody, Nathan Fillion, everybody who's worked with James Gunn is like, he is always on your side. Like when you're talent that work with him, he is always on your side. He always deals above board with you. That's one of the reasons I just can't believe for a second that there was anything to fear. Some some concerted effort by Gunn or Zaslav to like screw Henry Cavill or anything like that. Who, by the way, is now moving on to do a lot of other stuff, including his true dream project of, of War, Warhammer. But anyway, Rob, you hear about this story. What's your perspective on it? Well, first of all, I think it's important to say when James Gunn was hired by Warner Brothers six months ago, that means the deal was done. So this negotiation for him to write Superman was happening way before six months ago. So that's six right, months. Yeah. I mean, he was working for Warner Brothers for quite some time. He worked on Suicide Squad. And I am sure that the powers that be at Warner Brothers were looking at Suicide Squad taking shape and were loving what they saw. Then he went on and did Peacemaker because they greenlit Peacemaker before Suicide Squad had even come out. So they had these two projects in conjunction. I am sure they loved working with Gunn. They were having the best time. The actors were having the best time. They were having the best time. They were looking at the dailies from the Suicide Squad and then whatever was coming out of Peacemaker and going, oh my God, we got to lock this guy up. And that's when they started. They probably went to James Gunn and said, James Gunn, what do you want to do next? And you know what James Gunn said? Superman. Because what would you say? If you're working in the DC, what, there's no other character. He's not going to be like, oh, I want to do Bouncing Boy from the Legion of Superheroes. He's not going to do that. Although He's if gonna, anybody would, he uh, would. <laughs> he would do it. I, maybe he'll bring, but but that's the thing. So James Gunn did the smart, he played, made the smart play. Because James Gunn is not going to do a Peacemaker Superman. He's going to do a, a, a mythic Superman for the ages because that's what anybody who loves comic book characters would do. He'll bring his own twist on it, but he's going to give you the Superman movie that everybody's wanted. That's probably what he pitched to them. Because he's not going to, I want to do, I want to do the Peacemaker version of Superman. No one's going to go for that. The executives probably listened to him and said, well, that sounds great. And James Gunn's like, awesome. I'll have my people call your people and we'll start the deal. And that probably took months yeah. to power out the, those deal memos, you know, for whatever. Because James Gunn, you think Kevin Costner asked for a lot of money? You think James Gunn wasn't going to ask for a lot of money? He made the Suicide Squad and people could say, yeah, it didn't do as well as it should have. That's a different story. The movie's still good. And Peacemaker rules. And, and the series at HBO, by the time they got that deal made, and there's a reason why Zaslav picked him and Peter, Peter uh, uh, Staten. Um, Saffron. What? Saffron. Saffron. Uh, Staten's an old, old executive I worked for. But so this, this stuff, there is no conspiracy. There really isn't. There was no plans to bring Henry Cavill back to the DC Universe. Until, of course, Dwayne Johnson probably brought it up, as we've talked about and speculated on the show many times because they had the same manager. And that happened. He was able to make it happen. But beyond that, there was no plans to make a Henry Cavill Superman movie. There was maybe the idea that they would make one, but there was no official plans. He was not hired to be Superman and then fired from Superman. He was made promises. He could finally admit he came back because they shot the scene. Yeah. And that's what happened. There's no, there's no conspiracy. That's not how the film business works. He wanted to. They probably said, yeah, we want to have you come back. It didn't work. You know, if that, if, if that had made a billion dollars, if Black Adam had made a billion dollars, they wanted Superman to fight Black Adam. That's what Dwayne Johnson wanted. Well, that's what Dwayne Johnson wanted, that's yeah. And that's what they were planning on doing, probably. So Dwayne Johnson's like, yeah, man, we're going to do this, and then the next movie, we're fighting. 
Well, guys, <laughs> question is for you. What do you think about this? There's some rumblings going on about this, that, and the other thing. I mean, I, I think it's all very, very easily and simply and common sensely explained. Some people see conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. To what, this is the thing, to what, if that conspiracy theory was true, to what end? That's just not how they the were business just, works. For fun, they wanted to screw Henry Cavill over it? Like, that's the problem. Anyway, but maybe you guys have a different perspective on it. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we are now going to open up our super chats and take your live comments and questions. If you have a thought, theory, opinion, or question you'd like Christian and Rob and I to address, go ahead and start firing in those now. Fire them in quickly, though, because we only leave the super chats open for just a couple of minutes. Now, before we get to those, though, we're going to take a couple of seconds and thank a couple of more sponsors of the John Campy Show here today, our friends at the Black Tux and Fume. Hey guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, The Black Tux. It's time we had the talk. You know the one I'm talking about, the one that ends in the three-letter word. I'm talking about a tux. And when you need a tux, the best place to go to get one is The Black Tux. The Black Tux makes it super easy to get an on-trend, top-quality, guaranteed-to-fit tux without ever needing to leave your house. So here's how it works. Take The Black Tux Fit Quiz, pick the style you want to wear, and boom, your tux is delivered to your door 10 days before the day you need it. That's plenty of time to try it on and make sure it wears you well. And hey, if the fit's not quite right, say hello to the Black Tux Fit Guarantee. Order a better size within a day or two of receiving the less than great fitting one and they'll send another one right away at no extra cost. Their expert fit specialists will help you find the perfect style tux or suit and make sure it fits just right. Listen, I've been dubious in the past about online sites or apps that say they can get your measurements, but the fit quiz with the Black Tux works great. And man, I wish I'd had these guys for so many events I've attended over over the years. So rent or buy, the Black Tux is the best place to go when you need a tuxedo for a wedding or a special night. And right now, when you go to theblacktux.com slash campia and use the code campia, you'll save $20 off your order. That's T-H-E-B-L-A-C-K-T-U-X dot com slash campia, code campia to save $20. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Fume. Be smart. Don't start. Kick the habit. Put it out before it puts you out. All phrases we've heard a hundred times, and yet we still continue to have bad habits. Today's sponsor, Fume, is on a mission to accelerate humanity's breakup from the bad habits that consume far too many of us. Fume is a natural diffusive device that uses plants and behavioral science to help you trade out your negative habit for a positive one. You see, Fume is not a vape. It's a non-electronic device designed to transform your negative habits. Because instead of pods filled with potentially harmful chemicals like a vape, Fume uses cores infused with plants like peppermint and cinnamon for delicious natural flavors. And Fume's new version 2 model is snappy and tactile. With an adjustable airflow dial and a magnetic end cap, your fingers will always have something to do. The device itself is really attractive, and once I popped in the core and took my first inhale of it, it tasted fantastic. Guys, the easiest way to stop a bad habit is to switch to a positive one, and Fume is designed to perfectly do just that. So head over to tryfume.com and use the promo code CAMPIA to save 10% off when you get the Journey Pack today. The Journey Pack comes with three unique flavors and the new version 2 fume to help kickstart your positive habits. That's tryfume, T-R-Y-F-U-M dot com and use the code CAMPIA to save an additional 10% off of your order today. And thank you to our friends at the Black Tux and Fume for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show.
All right, guys, with that down, let's get over to your comments and questions. Rob, what do we got up first? Uh, we got Matt's. Is it Zachary first? Uh, Matt Sanders. Matt Sanders says, it would be extremely painful. Oh, it would be extremely painful for you. For you. Bane Valentine special. He was hilarious. And that's a $20 super chat from Matt. Oh, my God. Thank you, Matt, for that. Chris, did you see the Harley Quinn holiday special? No. Or the Valentine's Day special? No. Don't watch it with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but do watch it would be extremely painful for you. It it God Bane Bane on Harley Quinn is one of my favorite characters on TV right now. That dude is I like I know it's so so juvenile, but people love that show. When I've they seen... do you watch Harley Quinn? No, I've heard so, great things about there's, it. There's yeah. the line of the century for me. Bane is like this ridiculous character. Mm -hmm. But uh, Harley and Ivy infiltrate the Court of Owls and they think they're about to uncover this huge thing there, but it's they get there and they realize it's a big monthly orgy. Mm. But they run into Bane before the orgy starts and he's got a big plate and he goes, I'm carving up for the fuck fest. And I just died. I just absolutely died. And But in they take it to the next level, to another filthy, filthy level in the holidays, in the Valentine's Day special, but it's so freaking funny. It's so funny. All right, what's next? Thank you again for that, Matt, by the way. That's extremely generous of you. Thank you for supporting us on that level. Uh, Jay says, which of these would you like to see get a proper successful remake or reboot? <laughs> the Wraith, Shocker, or Lawnmower Man? Lawnmower Man. Yeah. Yeah, I think Same. Lawnmower Man. Yeah. Yeah, Lawnmower Man. It's Who, who was in that? Um, it was one of... Um, uh, Jeff, was it Jeff Fahey? Was a lawnmower man? That's Jeff not, something. That's it's not, definitely Jeff. Oh, I'm trying to put my finger on who it was anyway, but I, I love lawnmower man. I, I, like, I like, that freaked me out when I was, when I was younger. That's I like based that on a Stephen King story. Yeah, sure. The, yes, the it is. From yep. Night Shift and the original stories. You're right. It's Jeff Fahey. It's yep, Jeff you're Fahey. right. Yeah. All right, Pierce what's Brosnan, next? obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's who I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, seconds from Disaster says, something that is really working for me in The Last of Us is the dialogue. Yeah. Everyone's delivery feels so smooth and natural instead of forced or unrehearsed. You know what's as important as what is being said in the dialogue of The Last of Us? It's the stuff that's not being said. Uh, again, you look at shows with lesser writing and like they, they overpack the dialogue sometimes. Rob, you and I have pointed out the efficiency of the writing in The Last of Us is crazy. They accomplish things in 15 seconds of screen time that lesser writers will take up two to three minute, a two or three minute scene to mm -hmm. communicate that thought. They're like, well, let's communicate a thought and let's move on to the next stuff. And they handle so with great, great efficiency. Hey, Chris, I, I don't think we've talked much about Chris? Last of Us. Well, Christian, <laughs> so The Last of Us. But I, I know you've been watching yeah. the show and you're like what is what would you say is like maybe the one thing that that has really worked for you about the, what would you say is the key element for you that stands out for you for the show it's a super stuff to be honest but like but the dialogue is fantastic and second to none because they they what they do throughout dialogue in this show is they'll sprinkle a little piece of dialogue that will just tell you so much about a person just the same way if you with the three of us have a conversation with each other and we outside of this and we pick up little things that you said like oh 
well, they clearly, that must mean that they do this or they do that. And you pick these things up, uh, things that they say that ultimately turn out to be relevant to their character later on. But it's the acting in general. And something that really stood out to me was uh, Bella Ramsey in, uh, I'm not going to say, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but there's a, an episode, a big traumatic moment happens at the end. And she does this little gasp. And it's just so realistic. It's like a realistic moment, the little things. And it wasn't just the fact that she did it. It was the fact, I'll be back there. It was this <laughs> fact that they, that they used this particular take and they used it because they knew. They, yep. they, felt, yeah. they felt what we were going to feel and they put it out there. So it's just, it's one of these things that everything right now is just working. All right, what's next? The Fusion Brothers says, Rob, Jimmy C has confirmed that True Lies in the Abyss We'll finally be getting 4K Blu-ray releases this year. The gods reign favor upon us in 2023. Let me just tell you, the Fusion Brothers, he's been saying that every year since I was two. I keep waiting before the movies were made. It was supposed to be March. Since I was two. You know, I'm just saying. I mean, look. Blu-rays I, are coming. What's a Blu-ray? Uh, I know. I know. You know, I gotta, I'm got to. i going to admit to you, there are four Jimmy C. Lightstorm movies that are not on high def. The Abyss, True Lies, and the, the Lightstorm produced movies that... Uh, Soderbergh's Solaris remake that James Cameron produced and Catherine Bigelow's Strange Days. I just got the new 20th anniversary of Strange Days on Blu-ray from Germany with a new transfer because I am tired of waiting. But God, let's hope that the gods smile upon us because I want the abyss on 4K. So the Fusion Brothers, since you're bros, maybe the three of us can be simpatico and get that disc together. I'm At the same time, we can order from Amazon. True Lies might be the first disc I buy in like 20 years i want that on 4k i've got a bootleg blu-ray of it but i want you know taking off like spanish television but i really want the 4k yep all right what's next send me your lightstorm movie santiago lugo says the three most evil and vile events in british history uh imperialism invading the u.s in the war of 1812 and not giving the bass <laughs> to, to kuan listen i <laughs> I don't believe, well, I think K.U. Kwan is going to win the Oscar. I, I do. But I am not invested in him winning. What I mean by that is I'm, I think his performance is fantastic, but I don't look at him as, he's, it's not like Kate Blanchett in the Best Lead Actress uh, category. Like we're, like it's just clear Kate Blanchett, everybody else comes after that. I don't feel that way about K.U. Kwan. Like, so if he doesn't win, I'm not going to have a problem with it. I'll be thrilled for him if he does, and I think totally deserving. But if he doesn't, I, I just think it's too close. I think that race is just too close. I don't, do you, you guys have thoughts on that? I think it's pretty. I mean, it's. I think he's pretty much he's close because who won it? In the, it was it was Barry Keegan. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think between the two of them. I don't I I don't know. I don't think it's going to be him, Barry, though, for the Oscars. I think it's Keegan is the is the lead choice and that's why so many people because he was winning everything else yeah and it was the same thing that happened though with like stallone stallone was winning a lot of things and stallone won the golden globe and then stallone lost in the oscars so you just for creed for creed it's never a guarantee it's yeah. never a guarantee yeah and i i just see that one is so that's why even if he's winning all the other things i just i think it's i don't see him as head and shoulders his performance head and shoulders above all the other nominees so if he wins awesome if he doesn't i don't think it's a travesty all right what's next uh, I mean, oh, Suthius says, since it's a sausage, it's a sausage party, favorite <laughs> hot dog toppings. Onions and mustard. Spicy mustard and relish. 
<laughs> I like cheese. I just like mine raw. Dogs. I don't like anything on my hot dogs. Uh, that's nice. Oh boy. <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> that's what I gotta do. I'm gonna give you the correct answer. Uh, please don't say sour cream. The way God intended. Oh. If you put ketchup, I'm gonna mayonnaise. Get I knew it. it. I knew it was gonna be something oh. like sour cream. Mayo. Mayo. Come on, man. Is the only. Spoken by a true Canadian. I uh, Anne uh, went to Vegas the other weekend to go uh, to go see another Jonas Brothers concert. <laughs> her and her sister went to go see the Jonas Brothers. And uh, you know, I got to show the video of this. She ended up sitting in the VIP box with the Jonas's wives. So the girl from uh, Game of Thrones, Sophie Turner, and Priyanka. They were like uh, Anne is actually in Priyanka's now. How did that Instagram happen? Video. It's a long story, but what does this have to do with hot dogs? Um, so since Anne was in Vegas, I decided, you know, I'm going to go uh, single over. I'm going to go on a little camping trip just myself. And the night before going camping, I thought, oh, I bought these hot dogs. But you know what I need? I was at the movies. So I'm going to steal some of these mayo individual oh packets God. from the AMC movie theater oh in my, my pocket. God. Put the that on the hot dogs. That's the best topping for hot dogs. Oof, I'm ill. Mayo. It's yeah. Canadian How about thing. spectacular cheddar from a... Uh, Trader. Uh, well, I, I, had, I bought these great, these called better cheddar. You've lost all sausages. You've lost all credibility. In it. You're about to say in your next one. Oh, no, it's the absolute I speak gospel. But, 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 these, but these better cheddar hot dogs have uh, cheddar cheese already inside no, the hot no, dog. No, no, no. You've got to get great cheddar cheese. you got to get great cheese. Don't, don't. <laughs> I'm going to get a slice of pizza cheese. and put glass on it. <laughs> I think this cheddar that's in there. I could be wrong. Anyway, I don't like, I don't like uh, cheese whiz on stuff. Anyway, all right. What's next? Amin's. <laughs> Okay, if you had to hire one of these two folks to create, write, and produce a TV show for you, who would you hire, Tony Gilroy or Craig Mazin? You know what? I, I don't do not mean this as a cop out, but this is the hundred percent truth. It depends on what kind of show you're trying. I to agree. Do, yeah, agreed. Right? If you're trying to do a great human condition drama, I, I'm going with Mazin. If you're also tr you're trying to put political intrigue and thrill in that now Chernobyl had a lot of political intrigue in it too, but if you're trying to go for more of a thriller kind of thing, something a little bit more along the lines, I go with Tony Gilroy. So it really depends. In a pinch though, and in a vacuum, if I had to pick one right now, if I'm making it for HBO, I'm going Mason. Uh, I'd like to hire Tony, Tony Gilroy to make a Michael Clayton TV show if we can get George Clooney to come back to play Michael Clayton. Well, that would be interesting. Yeah, I I, I can't choose because of the same reason that you said. It's just a matter. Yeah, I mean, of it's, the, it's, it's yeah. a matter of what it is. But I mean, I'm 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 not worried about it if I have either one. Of them. Yeah, I mean, all, yeah, both you of them. win. Either you got way. an Academy you Award win. winner and the guy who's made one of the best TV miniseries of all time. So yeah, all right. What's next? Uh, a. Marcellus says, do you think after Secret Invasion, we will have more information about the new Avengers team? I think Nick Fury is going to recognize that the Avengers are scattered and a new team needs to be formed. Well, even you know, we should not speak anything about it. No, but I mean, but theoretically, I, I, I think that Nick Fury himself has been scattered. Last time we saw him, he was in space. Well, yes, Nick Fury has been scattered. I don't think Nick Fury knows what the hell's going on. <laughs> of course. Well, I mean. We know a few things about Nick Fury, well, you, so we yeah, gotta be but, careful about what we yeah, do. Yeah, but I mean, where he is right now, right? As far as the MCU is concerned. All right, what's next? Uh, Murray Reich says, "I wanted to like Velma, but after barely two episodes in, it tries so hard to be like Harley Quinn, and it's not even that funny. I want to continue, but it's just a hard watch, even though I like the premise." Again, I that's that was my problem with it. Now there are people out there who have a problem with it simply because. 
the show doesn't conform, doesn't conform to their political agendas. And so I don't give a fuck about what they think. I just don't think it's a good show. Right. I mean, and, and the criticism is right. Like I, I watched a little bit. I don't think it's the complete dumpster fire that some people make it out to be, but it's just not good. And you're right. It's just the moment I started watching it, you can see it screaming that it's trying to be like Harley Quinn. It's, it's trying to capture that Harley Quinn feel and DNA. And some of it made me giggle um, when they're kind of parodying adult animation. That's when it kind of works in a way. It's just not good. It's just trying to be Harley Quinn, but it, their writers are not as talented as Harley Quinn's writers. And it's just, yeah, I wanted to give a shot. I wanted to like it, but eh, was that, have you tried checking out Velma no, yet? No, my thing. Again, not one you should watch with the kids. No. No, yeah, yeah not that one. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, Vess, a.k.a. Mr. No Days Off, says, with the word-of-mouth success of Pooh, Blood, and Honey, what public domain story would you like to get the same low-budget horror treatment? Thanks. Bring on the filthy. I'm not really sure. Frozen. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's not going to go public domain for a long time. <laughs> I, I, I think while I got very excited about when they first announced that this poo, blood, and honey was coming. I was very, very excited about it. And then they did the Grinch one, the the mean one, right? Which, same thing, it's taking a public domain thing, we're going to make a horror, Whoville was the site of a murder spree. Uh, I'm over the gimmick now. Yeah. I, th I think that they made it was great. I think it was really fun that they were doing it. The movie apparently is not so good, but I'm, I'm now kind of over the gimmick, so I don't really want to see another one. This Little Mermaid public? Yes. Well, the Hans Christian Harris story. Yeah, yeah. Right. Nothing that was so original from the Disney thing yeah, is, but right. yeah. Have you ever seen the Polish uh, horror musical, The Lure? No. You should. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's it's about killer mermaids. Yeah. I'm not kidding. It's the best thing ever. There you go. Truly. All right, what's uh, next? Murray Reich says, did you see Blood and Honey yet? No. No. No, I no, no. I, I've heard just from too many people how terrible it is, except for Taylor. <laughs> uh, but uh, everybody else I've talked to just said it was terrible, so I'm probably not going to check it out. All right, what's, what's next? Al Renshaw says, it's game week, John. Time to get ready for the glory that will be Cocaine Bear. Probably not going to be great, but don't care. Hashtag I'm, Cocaine Watch. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I did not get excited about Cocaine Bear at first because while I am completely in love with Elizabeth Banks, I love Elizabeth Banks, I have, just being honest, I have not loved her directorial efforts up to this point. And while the idea, the conceit of the movie based on a true story, like influenced by true events, uh, is interesting, I wasn't super excited about it. And then that trailer came out. And that trailer looked like everything a movie like this should be. And I'm not going to lie to you, if I'm being honest with myself, I think I have been more excited about Cocaine Man than I was for Ant-Man. Uh, and I love Ant-Man. Uh, not this particular wow. Ant-Man movie, but I love the Ant-Man character and I love the Ant-Man movies other than this new one. So I am very excited about Cocaine Bear this week. I'm, I'm actually dying to see it. Now, I'm not hearing great things about yeah. it, but I'm not going to let that temper my excitement. I'm very excited to see it. Have you had a chance to see this no, yet? No, I see it on Wednesday, but I, I'm... I, I got was, invited to that one on Wednesday, yeah. I'm going, uh, And I was going in with the same kind of excitement, but then I'm hearing not good things, but I still am excited to see it. And I agree with you. The question I was asking you, John, about Elizabeth Banks is that this, because her career is going to be fine as far as acting goes for, for a oh, while. Oh, yeah. She had a hit in Pitch Perfect 2. Charlie's Angels didn't work out so well. If she misses with this one, critically and, and financially, 
is directing. Is she in trouble? I don't think Pitch Perfect 2 was a hit. Money-wise, it was, wasn't it? I, I, could look that I'm up for sure us, uh, Taylor. What did, what did Pitch Perfect 1 make? What did Pitch Perfect 2 make? And then more importantly, what did Pitch Perfect 3 make? Did she direct three? I don't think she directed three. Well, I don't, I'm I don't not know. sure she did, but but I mean, the results of the box office three is going to be partially okay. commentary on the quality of the sure. second one, um, because the first one was great. I like the first Pitch Perfect was wonderful to me. The second one was a big step down in quality for me. What, what do we got there? So according to Box Office Mojo, the lifetime grosses of the Pitch Perfect franchise: number one made sixty-five million, number two made one hundred and eighty-four million, and number three made one hundred and four million. Okay, so it went down after the second one came out. So, and yeah, Charlie's Angels, great. I, I thought it was a great idea for a movie. Didn't work out. I, I, I think Elizabeth Banks' directorial career is done if this flops. Yeah, same. And now, it may not flop. I, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's not going to flop. But if it does, I think, um, I think her directorial career is probably over at this point but we'll see we'll find out i, I love her though like i hope for all the Same. success in the world for her. i think she's great but yeah all right what's next carlos or uh, yeah carlos sosa says i think reed richards will be a leader in avengers it's hard to say that about a character who's not even in the mcu yeah i know uh, <laughs> at this point so it's, it's very very difficult to say that i mean i think reed richards has always been sort of avengers adjacent because he has the fantastic four mm -hmm. you know it's all right what's next uh, the Rice Rat says, with his love for the wacky and less mainstream, over or under 15%, that James Gunn dusts off that old Wonder Twins script and says, I can make this work. <laughs> if you made the Wonder Twins like Parks and Rec's John Ralphio and his sister, then maybe. But no, I, I don't see him dusting off the Wonder Twins script. The only thing I want to see from Wonder Twins come back is because now, as I told you, I'm on like such a major 1883 kick. Cause Isabel May was was cast as one of yeah, the Wonder Twins. Yeah, she was. Starlin KJ. Yeah. So, and I had said, I don't know what they're planning to do with the cast of Flash. If they're bringing back the, the actress who's playing Supergirl, great. But if they're doing a full reboot, I was like, she would be great as Supergirl in a, in a reboot, uh, Isabel May. But I just want to see her come back and do something because I think she is an extraordinary talent. Yeah. Well, I, you still get to hear her narrate yes. uh, 1923. Yep. She still narrates 1923. Yep. All right. What's next? Amin says, what did, Yoda, uh, what did Yoda say when he saw himself in 4K? HDMI. <laughs> come on, man. That's good. It's not bad. That's good. Come Technically on. speaking, HD is 1080, not 4K. Just to just get a little technical <laughs> nerdy on you. Your joke wasn't informed in the way that it should have been. HD am I? That's, <laughs> that's actually not bad. So I, I, I got to give that up. Not bad. I'll give it up. All right, what's next? <laughs> Rafael Castillo says, seen the Red Band trailer for, uh, uh, what is that? Sisu? Sisu? Sisu yet? Nope. Basically, John Wick in 1994, Finland. 44. But 1944. Did I say 1944 Finland? But he's killing Nazis, and it looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> Nazis, like in uh, Inglorious Bastards. Nazis. The Nazis. I've not heard of this. I've and not brother, seen it. Business is Grazi. a boomer. Sisu. No, I've, I've, not, I've not heard of it. Not even heard of the project. I know. I've seen the trailer, I mean, but I'll keep my eye open for it. All right, what's I'm next? All good. A. Marcella says, uh, Lucas Hill is comic book Barry Allen to me. Nice. Lucas, Lucas Hill's Hill. a nice, yep. Lucas, Lucas Hill. Yep, I, I I like that pick. Again, it's, it'll all depend on what the thing is, but that's not a bad one, too. I like that one. All right, what's Come next? Uh, Caden says, Wanda Redemption Arc. Uh, get you back on the lunchbox. She leads the Avengers? No. As of now, only her and Kang are confirmed Nexus beings in the MCU. 
Um, listen, there. <laughs> Wanda, we we can't put this. We're not not even extra dimensional people. Wanda's murdered a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> like straight up murdered a lot of people. You think the sorcerers are gonna have it? No. You know how many the the member of the sorcerers clans that that she murdered in that movie? They ain't gonna have that. So no, Wanda will never be the leader of the event. I agree. They could she could have a moral turnaround, but there's not a true redemption arc for Wanda left. She could have a moral turnaround, decide I can't be like that anymore, all that kind of stuff. That's great, but she's she's too far gone. She cannot have a true redemption arc. I don't believe. It's like gonna be like Vader. Like had Vader survived the end of Return of the Jedi. That's great. He's not on the dark side anymore. There's still a galactic trial that's going to happen that's going to find him guilty of, of crimes against humanity and put him away for the rest of his days. But so, yeah, I, I, I just don't see it. All right, what's next? Uh, TJ Arcaden says, oh, I already said that. TJ Perry says, New Avengers leader Icarus. He's dead. He's dead. Yeah, and they, they confirmed he's dead, dead. But so. they can bring him back, you know. But I mean, that is a funny line. I could lead them. Yeah. I, that was one of the. I, 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 I don't care what he says. I like. I love Me Richard too. Madden. He's my choice for new James Bond. Come on, bring it on. What's up? Uh, <laughs> Daniel Huena says, John, you inspired me to get into hockey. Damn right. I'm doing God's work. Then I am doing God's work. Really- it's the greatest sport in the world. By the way, can I just say that our interview on Designing Hollywood with Jerry Bruckheimer is up? And Jerry Bruckheimer was one of the co founders of the Seattle Kraken. Oh, I didn't realize NHL that. NHL. Makes me team. like him even more. Yes. Famously yeah. where he got into an argument with uh, Michael Ironside. Or not an argument. Uh, turned his back on Ironside at a, at a hockey game. That's why Ironside wasn't in. I did in, not hear that story. Ironside wasn't in uh, Top Gun 2. They, they, had, they had beef. They had beef. He talks about that. All right. What's next? Josh Becker says, I just watched the 16 DCAU movies in the 52 universe. And why wow, that be animated movies. And Wow. I love that arc, and Damien is so cool. Can't wait to see what Gunn does with him. Well, look, I, I, my, I'm in the minority in this. I think all, well, 95% of Marvel and DC animated stuff is complete tribal. Um, Come on. And, no, it, it, it's just garbage. Uh, every once in a while, they, they got a few acorns in there that aren't bad. They got a, a couple ones that are pretty good, but I think for the most part there. But that's just me. I mean, look, that's the beautiful thing about this art, man is that just because it doesn't appeal to one person doesn't mean it can't appeal to somebody else. And I know there's a lot of people who really like the DC and Marvel animated stuff, and that's awesome. It's I'm just not one of them. That's all. Okay. <laughs> that's as simple. All uh, right, what's next? Jay says, in a no-holds-barred no comedy sketch-off, which crew coming in first, second, or third? Um, sketches. A, Saturday Night Live crew, B, in Living Color crew, or three, Chappelle's show crew? More consistently... Chappelle's. I agree. Um, and if you were to put in Key and Peel, mm-hmm. but that's not in there. <laughs> yeah, okay. You're adding. You're adding a crew. Okay, bro. I, I'll keep Key and Peel out. Now, of course, you want to go to the real comedy legends. You want to go to, you know, Second City. Yeah, uh, you want to go to. Uh, oh, you mean you mean the uh, Canadian? The Canadian one, maybe maybe Kids in the Hall. SCTV, you're yeah. talking. Yep, yeah. SCTV, maybe yeah. Kids in the Hall. I know, but out of that, I think consistently Chappelle because. Saturday Night Live is hit and miss. Yeah. But every once in a while, Saturday Night Live will put out a sketch. Like, it doesn't matter how many years old it is. That one with um, Kate McKinnon and uh, Ryan Gosling with the alien abduction, 
That is still one of the funniest things but, I've ever but, seen in my life. But that's that's what you just said. That that's the whole point with Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. It depends on when they're talking about. It. If they're talking about right now, this crew that's writing and everything too, and putting them, then then no, they're not in the running. I think that Chappelle would probably win out of the three. If, if I was to say out of today, but Saturday Night Live, you go through the history since 1975, yeah. and it's Saturday Night Live. They have for what they've done in you know certain realms. But the, you, as you mentioned, that alien abduction thing. The problem with Saturday Night Live is they destroy and overkill bits. Like they'll do like the first like four or five times they did that was great. And then by the time you get to the 20th or 30th time, like I've seen it right. And that's, that goes yeah. into the writing of going, stop doing it. It's like, let's, let's, it just depends on what era you're talking about as far as performers and writers go. Did you ever see the one where I can't remember the, the, the cast members who did it, but it's the two former porn stars now trying to sell stuff. Moe Shannon, the finest. Did you ever see that one? Yeah. Oh my God, those sketches killed me. Like when Jonah Hill comes in, did somebody say vroom vroom? No, 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 no. <laughs> those sketches Stay killed back. me every time they did it. Matt Just... TV had a couple of seasons that were pretty good too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, what's next? Uh, let's see. Uh, 156 Impulse says, any Star Wars movie announcements at Celebration? Definitely. I think 100%. Now, especially now that Bob Iger's in, I think one of the first things Bob Iger did is sat down with Kathleen Kennedy. This is me speculating. Sat down with Kathleen Kennedy. says, Kathleen, I know you're not here for much longer, but uh, we, we, uh, I, I didn't pay $4 billion for Lucasfilm just to make uh, streaming shows. We, we need to get something back on the screen. Now, so whether that's going to be Taika Waititi's Star Wars thing, whether that's going to be Kevin Feige's Star Wars thing, whether that's going to be uh, Lindelof's Star Wars thing. I mean, I, I don't know, but I do think they make an announcement of a, of a feature, like an official, from a stage, announcement of a feature film. What it is, I don't know. But I, I think, though, Christian, what do you think? Go to Vegas and slap the odds down on Lindelof's movie being being announced. That's That does seem like the most likely, It right? makes the most sense, no. and it would be out of the three of them, out of the three uh, or, or four, potential whether it's Feige, Patty Jenkins, which I don't think is going to happen. Taika Waititi, I don't think it's going to happen. But if they do any of them, it's Lindelof because it's the only one that the reports have been like they actually have like Filoni's been in the room with them and they're they coming did up with plans room with and it. they're coming up with ideas and it seems like all the little tidbits of information that it takes place after the trilogy that Daisy Ridley's been in for meetings, all the type of, if you do the research on like the actual news pieces that have been coming out about it, it all signs seem to go there. But I agree with you, John, that it's, you have to announce something at this point you don't have to tell me what it's about but you have to tell me that's close to being in production because if you just go oh we're doing this movie with lindelof like okay cool the same way you did one with uh, benioff and weiss and the same way you did one with josh trank and the same one you did with the, it's like it'll unless you tell me when you're going to start shooting when it's about and who the cast is then it's not real like the way they announced skeleton key or that's skeleton crew 100 like here yeah. it, like we're doing this thing skeleton crew here's our cast and we start shooting here's, in here's some concept yeah. art we're right. already yeah there yeah. needs to be something definitive yeah. like that the biggest announcement can't be a novel. No, no exactly. They, they know exactly. that. And London, London needs because London for people who were there in 2016, the the fan experience people rave about, right? And how fun. But as far as a news piece, it was completely lackluster. They didn't know what the hell they were doing with Rogue One at the time. They had a trailer that, that was only shown to the audience. That was, half the footage didn't even make the movie. They're gonna make up for that, and there's gonna be a lot of announcements at celebration. All right, what's next? Uh, David Cabrera says, Rob, I saw Tango Shalom in Spanish nice. on the Spanish streamer. Is that Vix? Vix, Vix? 
It was a great translation. That's news to me. <laughs> All right, um, what the producer I just, yeah, I have I, no I, idea. I, you know, we do have our distributor that's been selling it around the world, so that's great. I mean, I it's always funny because when you've made a movie and it's been translated into another language, I always love that. Uh, when I saw Free Enterprise translated into German, it just cracked me up. So I'm glad you saw it, and I, I'm glad it was a good translation. You know, you know what's really satisfying? I watched you for, this is no exaggeration, years and years and years working on this movie it's true. like every day coming in i was up till three doing Dude, a color was, on this uh, and i was up was, till four doing an audio on this and i was up till whatever and it's just so satisfying to see that movie come out playing these festivals being picked up in in different markets having people write and say now they're even seeing it in different languages like that's it's very very satisfying. it's crazy and it's open it's opening in germany in yeah. uh, in june it's cool. it, it's funny when you look you never know when you and when you make something you let it go it goes it's not like somebody says oh someone just watched your movie I, it, it'd be great if somebody did but it's nice to hear that you know um i'll tell you something our ukrainian distributor asked us during the war if they could distribute it in poland so they could make some money while the war was going on mm. so um and the Ukrainian trailer is great. I don't know. I don't speak Ukrainian, but the, the trailer they cut for the movie in Ukrainian was pretty awesome. So All I right. Let's play a little tiny movie. What's Amin next? says, who do you think, and thanks for those kind words, by the way, John, who do you think has a higher chance of appearing in the Flash film in terms of small cameos, Bale's Batman or Grant Gustin's Flash? Oh, by, by not remotely close, Grant Gustin's Flash. I think he's going to be in it. Because they they did it the other way around for yeah. the CW thing. Now, now I'm not saying Grant Gustin's Flash is going to. I'm just saying the likelihood between Christian Bale's Batman showing up, which I think is finite, uh, versus Grant Gustin. Well, they already had Ezra pop up in that one, so I'd still say it's only like a eight percent chance, but it's much bigger than a point zero five percent chance. I think that before we get into whatever the Flashpoint universe is. There is going to be when he's rushing through time or something, we're going to get a litany of cameos, not just Grant Gustin, but a bunch of ones we can't even fathom yet. Things that I they don't haven't think so. Because but Andy Muschietti said there are many surprises in store for you. That's he said that oh, last weekend. I think it was on Instagram. So I just for fun, like going through the multiverse or whatever on the cosmic treadmill, whatever the hell is going to happen. Christian, if, if you, they had to say to you which one has the better odds of popping up in Flash, Grant Gustin's Flash or Christian Bale's Batman, what do you think? Gustin. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Yeah. What's next? Uh, Ryan Trabuco says, Hi, John and <laughs> Ray. Great to meet both of you at the event in Burbank. Oh, Had a wonderful yeah, right. time. I met Ryan there. And Kristen's, Christian's stand-up was funny AF. Happy to see Puss in Boots hitting over 400 million. It's yeah. made more than Black Adam. Wow. God, man. I mean, I know we're all getting tired of talking about it, but if you had gone back in time one year and said, The Rock's Black Adam's coming out and another Puss in Boots movie, which I had no interest in for a long time, and it's delightful, um, and said, Puss in Boots is going to make more money than Black Adam, <laughs> I, I would have taken that bet every day. Every day, I would have lost a lot of money on that bet. Taylor would have won, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, Taylor would put all his face in puss. Yeah, I put all. <laughs> I put all my faith in puss. I am proud of hashtag proud of puss. Breaking everything. Uh, uh, part here. Yeah. I, I can't wait to revisit this puss when it is available at home. 
Wow. Man. And again, and Ryan, no, it was it was awesome meeting you at the event, Ryan. Thanks yeah. so much for coming, and thank you again to everybody who came to the event. So much. All right, what's next? <laughs> uh, Al Renshaw says, <laughs> Rob, will you be seeing Godzilla Tokyo SOS when it comes to theaters on March 22nd? I might see it just because. Now, wait a minute. Is that the old Godzilla Tokyo SOS? Or is this new? Is this new from Toe? I'm not sure if this is old or new. If it's new, I will totally go see it. But, um, yeah, man, I, I didn't know it was coming. All right, what's next? Uh, CJ Rebirth says, sorry I missed your event Sunday, John and Christian. Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, Christian and I were talking about this earlier, and, you know, we got, we're going to get Greg in the conversation, too. We, we might do more. We might do I, – I, 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 I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to be very, very open and transparent. I have been – a li- not super, but just a little skeptical about doing the live events and stuff like that. You know, we, you know, Christian and, and, and Greg and I have been approached by, by entities that want us to do bigger scale stuff. And I've been a little bit skeptical. And I've, I, I think I was the one who kind of said, let's just do it small. Let's do a little test. Let's see if we like it. Let's see if the audience likes it. All that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I think Christian and Greg have been more optimistic than I was. And they were right. Uh, I, I had a blast. I had a really, really good time at that event we did at, at, in Burbank. And That's good. Everything we're hearing from the audience was the audience had a really good time. And uh, we may do more. We may do more. All right. What's next? Dominic Suma says, anyone else, mi- <laughs> anyone else miss AMC's Jedi Council? Will Disney make a Star Wars episode uh 10, 11, 12. 10, 11, 12. Do they eventually start a new saga without the numbers? Um, I do believe there will be a Star Wars 10, 11, and 12. I don't know when. Right. right. And it's not going to be a continuation of the Skywalker saga. And the the, the numerical, I, I reject the idea that the numerical things have to be exclusive for the Skywalker saga. I don't believe that at all. So I, I believe at some point they will do a, Star Wars episode moving on to the next thing. I just don't know when. I don't know if that'll be in the next three years, the next five years. I don't know. Christian, what do you think? I 100%. I think you can't really say yet because you, I think it'll happen outside of Kathleen Kennedy's regime when it does happen. Agreed. I think that yeah. it'll happen in the next 15 to 20 years when, when they need to say, okay, let's do another one. What they need to start doing, though, is bring back that damn crawl for every movie. I don't know necessarily. 100%. Uh, 100%. Now, I don't 100%. think you necessarily need it for television shows, but I think for every movie, that is what that is what made Star Wars, Star, Star Wars to just feel like Star Wars as far as you can hope. You can always use the opening theme song for a Star Wars thing in the crawl. You don't have to, but you could to just say this is a Star Wars movie and then make it your own, make it your own thing, whatever it has to be. Because as much as I loved Rogue One, and I do, I love Rogue One, love that movie. I'm not going to lie. It took me a little bit to get into the movie as a story because that pencil that, font. What's that? And the pencil font that they had. Oh yeah, like, I. You start with that, that one so note. Bad. That's bad. Boom. Yeah. It was blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't Jarring. feel like I'm in Star Wars right, right now. Plus, and then it opened it. The opening of Rogue One, when you see the the shuttle come down, when you see Krennic, that's that's Star Wars, man. That could have yeah. been a great pan oh, down from a Star Wars gets away with something, well, at least it did before they took away the crawl, that other movies would get chastised for, and that's giving you this exposition in text. Right. right. It, like It's like, here's what's been going on, and we're going to give you this, because it's based off those old serialized things that came out back in like the you know the 30s, and for Flash Gordon is where, and, and so to do that, it pays homage to what George did in the first place, 
and it's part of Star Wars. You rip that away. It's just a saga thing. So if you never make the saga films ever again, you never see it. I think that's a, it was a stupid decision. I mean, you decision. had them in the comic. You put, you had opening crawls in the comic book. Yes. You had yeah. them in the video game. Yeah. It's just it's just something that it's like the the Pavlovian dog, right? It's the Pavlov's response. Ring the bell, the dog salivate. You put up the opening crawl. We feel like you've now taken us into the world of Star Wars. Yep. Also, the Disney Star Wars movies, their opening crawls, the Skywalker saga, were terrible. The actual writing of those crawls was bad. You have to go back to the original episode four, A New Hope, because the style, it is a period of civil war. That's how it starts. Boom. You know exactly. Okay. We're in the I get, and then, I let you know that the prequel opening crawls were pretty rough too. They, no, they were trade dispute. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just and and the War. thing is, if you want to go back to Star Wars, has the greatest opening crawl ever, and it explains everything <laughs> and everything it sets up. It then you see it in the next five minutes, and you're like, oh, yeah, I know who Princess Leia is. I know rebel spaceships. I know all of this stuff. And you were and then after that first five minutes, you're set. You're ready to go, go, go. Yeah. The dead speak. <laughs> what does somehow palpatine you know is there more than one dead same with solo solo should have started with an open absolutely you felt like right in that world anyway i'm sorry we're almost out of time here we gotta keep moving here what's like next? You did, sorry Dominic. i know uh uh devin lita says toy story 5 in 2025 would commemorate wow the original, the original movie 30th anniversary in 1995 yeah. i have a feeling it'll well it takes a while to make one of these picks 2025 could very well be the release did they announce when they announced Toy Story 5 Frozen, did they give release dates? No. I don't know. I mean, Christmas of 2025 is doable. Or end of 2024 might be theoretically doable, Oof, but 2025 a, definitely doable. Gives them 100%. time. All right, what's next? Uh, Fangblaze71 says, with The Last of Us 2 being roughly twice as long as the first, do you think seasons two have more episodes or season two has more episodes? <sighs> they don't need to. Like, listen, if you, you do 10 episodes, that is 10 hours of narrative, right? which you've pointed out many times accurately. Like when you take out the actual gameplay and working through the levels, you get a much reduced more time of narrative. And as Mason is showing, you can even tell the narrative that is in the game much more efficiently than even the game did. Yeah. I think they will try to stretch it out um, with either more episodes or take the second game and break that into two individual seasons. Yeah, that's how I that's think. What I think too. Yeah, so th those are far more likely, I think. Yeah. I agree. All right, what's next? Matt says, I was just watching Harloff and John on the Star Wars Trivia Championship five-way in 2017. Hmm. It looks like you guys had a blast. How was it for well, you That's guys? when we did Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, well, right? I just hosted it. I mean, I, I wasn't in it. It was That was a fun that day. That was a great. I mean, that that place was packed out. It was, there was at least, I mean, that was the one where we had, it was, there was 600 people in that room at least. And then because we didn't know how many people were going to show up, we had to turn away 700 people at the door. I remember... Uh, I was walking around Star Wars celebrations. Oh, time to get to yep. the Star Wars competition. So I get there and I see this line going all the way down. And I thought, oh, this is the line to get into the, to watch the Star Wars trivia thing. And I'm meeting people. And then I got to the door and I looked in. It's like, oh, what panel's going on? Oh, no, this is for your panel. I'm like, so all these people don't get in? Like there were hundreds and yeah. hundreds and hundreds of people in line that couldn't get in. Um, I'd like to think they were all there to see me. Uh, they were probably there more to see Whitwer, but um, it was a really fun day, man. That was, that, awesome. that was a fun, fun event. Yeah, that was the first. I mean, that that division lasted for years after that, and that was the one that kicked it all off. And it was a really close fight all the way to the all the way to the end. It came down between me and Napsok yeah. in quadruple overtime. Yeah, 
and it came down to I'll, I'll never I'll never get over this. It came down to a trivia question about a voice actor in an animated thing that Ken had just interviewed like four weeks earlier. Oh, hilarious! And, uh, and <laughs> that, that, that's, that's and by the way, it was the fourth round of overtime. There was there was no conspiracy there. It was just but that one that one burned me. That is we never... also told Cavill he was coming back as Superman. Oh yes, <laughs> but I. I have never gotten over that. That one still burns me. But it was it was great because we had uh, uh, Jenny, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Jenny, Jeremy, Sam Witwer, me, and Ken. That's right. right? And, yeah, and great, Rob, you fun, know what burns day. me? Matches. Jay London Drew. Fulatan says, "Would you buy uh, Aiden Gallagher if he played Robin?" I can't remember off the top of my head who's Aiden Gallagher. That he, looks like Timothy Chalamet's brother. I think it's Umbrella yeah. Academy. Oh, the guy oh. who plays number six. Yeah, I can't see him other than an old man in a young guy's body. <laughs> I don't know. I he mean, he's good. He's so good in Umbrella he Academy. so good. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, oh, man, yeah, I mean that's because he's a good actor. I mean, he could be a Robin. He's so good in Umbrella Academy. I, I mean, he's just a great actor. I could see him in a lot of great things. Great actor. All right, what's next? Uh, uh, Gil, Gilgamesh-na. Says, given that Steven Spielberg has put Guardians of the Galaxy on his top 25 favorite movies. I didn't know that. What are the chances that James Gunn will approach him to direct Superman Legacy? Look, we talked about that. That'd be the greatest thing in the world. Look, I, everybody is asking Steven Spielberg to direct their film. Yeah. Right? So is James Gunn going to ask him? Of course he is. And I, Spielberg will play. Now, before everybody says, John, didn't you know that uh, Steven Spielberg is already directing thing about the uh, air wing? Uh, what was it called again? Uh, the Blackhawks, or was it? Uh, what was know. the name of that thing? Well, Blackhawks is a DC thing. Yeah, that, he was yeah, this do, is a DC. Yeah, he was going to do he that. He was going to do that, right? I, I don't believe that's happening because that they that announcement. I agree. But John, I heard a little while ago, it's still in development. I don't believe that's happening at all because they announced it like five years ago. Um, but I'll tell you what: there are two things in the world of movies I really want to see. Well, one more than anything else, I want to see Steven Spielberg direct a Star Wars movie. I don't care, but. Steven Spielberg directing a Superman movie? That'd be pretty damn sweet, too. That would be pretty awesome. I just didn't know you're going to... He's Look, he's he's talked about he's only got so much longer in his career, right? He's not going to do this forever. He wants to spend time with grandkids, and he wants to do all that kind of stuff. And it just feels like right now he's focusing on his passion projects. He got to do The Fablemans. He got to do West Side Story. You know, I don't know if he's going to do a big franchise film, whether, like, my dream of Star Wars movie or Superman. Could you see him doing it? I I would prefer to see him do Superman, to be honest. I wouldn't really want to. I love Spielberg, but I don't think Star Wars is in his toolbox these days. I think that having him do Superman with John Williams, who's not retired and said he's not retiring, to see John Williams come back to do it with Spielberg, that'd be amazing. Oh, my God. It'd be incredible. <laughs> right. All right, what's next? Uh, Tacky75 says, Evangeline Lilly should get an Oscar nomination for Ant-Man. She is so convincing playing a woman who believes in science. Uh, a little bit of a joke there. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. All right. What's next? Uh, that's very funny. Josh Witter. Josh Becker says, also, uh, uh, Revan and Damien is a better romance than Revan and Bill. Or Bill, be Bat Batman Beyond, in my opinion. I, oh, Raven. Uh, Raven and Damien yeah, is these, a better these are romance animated characters, than, yeah, so than I, Raven. I don't and, care. Well, you, Raven, you from the, Ra Ra Raven from the Teen Titans. Yes. Mm -hmm. This yeah. isn't... Unless, well, I mean, the, the one she... We're talking about the animated relationships there. So that's yeah. way else on my wheelhouse. I thought All it was right. Darth Revan when I first started. I'm like, what? I'm a little confused. <laughs> What's next? Um, Josh, oh, I already said that. Joshua Logan says, I know you had Glenn Powell yes, on I your did. Superman list. 
But what about Booster Gold? I think he's perfect for Booster Gold. He's got the smile and the charm. He'd also make a great Hal Jordan. Thoughts? I mean, this is the thing we were talking about people who are really good performers. They could do a lot. And like, if they were to announce tomorrow that he was Hal Jordan in the upcoming... Uh, perfect. I, all for it. You announce him as Booster Gold, all for it. I... I I just partic- I think he'd make a really good Superman, but again, that that all depends on what the script is and all that. But if you put him in any of those roles, I'm all for it. I just think his role in Top Gun was more like that. The way he was was Booster Gold esque. Sure, but I'll just because he's like that in one movie. Yeah, yeah, sure. that's what I mean. Koi Jandro brought up a, a great casting choice. It was Billy Magnuson for Booster Gold, who played who was in uh, Game Night, and and he was also in Aladdin. I don't you see uh, Billy Magnuson. I don't know if you if you know who that is, but like he he is the perfect. When, when he I love that. Game Night, by the way. It's Do great. you know who he is, Billy Magnuson? Yeah, yeah. So he, this guy is perfect. And he was also in Aladdin for like a quick second yeah. playing one of the princes or something. Too. But he, uh, when that was brought up. Oh, yeah, I, he's the one guy who comes in. Yeah, like, I, yeah, said, yeah, yeah. I had said Glenn Powell also for, I thought, Booster Gold for sure. But then when Billy Magnuson was brought up, I was like, yeah, like this guy. I, I, he, no, he, he's, he's really perfect. good. Yeah. Now, again, it would depend on how they're going to write Booster Gold. Right. Like yeah. But yeah, he would be a really good pick, yeah, too. Look, sure. That's, oh, that's a Booster sure. Gold smile. Yeah, right that totally is. All right, what's next? <laughs> uh, Red One Real Talk says, have you guys seen Sharper yet? The, okay, this is the Apple uh, Plus, uh, Apple was it Apple Plus? Movie that Julianne Moore purchased. It was a Blacklist script. And she produced it. It just dropped, and I keep forgetting to watch it. Sebastian Stan was fantastic. It's getting mixed reviews, but A24 delighted me yet again. The trailer for this looks great. I, I have not even seen the trailer. Uh, John Lithgow's in it. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, John Lithgow's in it. Sebastian Stan's in it. Uh, Justice Smith is in it. And uh, it looks, and Julianne Moore's in it. And it looks terrific. It's some kind of a, in the finance world, there's swindlers. Mm. A sharper, I looked it up. A sharper is a swindler, like a card sharp. Okay. But a sharper is another name for a swindler, if that means anything. So I guess it does. All right, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show here, thank you very much. For your support hey guys listen don't forget if you need your audio only version of this show maybe you can't be in front of a youtube video we do have a little thing known as the john campy show podcast go and find out on your favorite podcasting app of choice and subscribe to it today and don't forget to come on back tomorrow and join us for the john campy show again tomorrow and gonna let you guys know a little bit later today at 4 p.m los angeles time I will be doing my Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania open spoiler discussion. So if you guys want to talk, celebrate, complain, whatever about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, we're going to be doing that at 4 p.m. Los Angeles time. That's 7 p.m. New York time. Come on by and join us for that. So for everybody in the room, writer, director, producer, and apparently in, uh, what was it, Swedish? Spanish. 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 From Tango, Tango Shalom. in Spanish. Shalom. Robert Meyer Burnett. Back there has been Ray Aura, of course. Taylor has been there as well. Jonathan running the show. And, of course, special guest in here this month is uh, Christian Harloff. <laughs> and you got something special coming up with uh, Mandalorian coming out. Yeah, thank you, John. So, on, on obviously, on my channel, we're close to 70,000 subscribers. So, if you want to just search my name, Christian Harloff, come on over there. But on Monday, the 27th, Katie Sackhoff is coming on for a full hour. And we're going to talk about the Mandalorian as we lead to the Mandalorian on March 1st. Wow. And, uh, guys... Thank you so much for being here. That'll do it for us for now. Thanks a lot for being here. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs> oh, oh, my, my God.
God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are you just laughing your balls off in a minute?